Hello, everybody, and welcome to Turn to Page, Season 2, I guess. Grail Quest is what we're going to be reading here today. Are you ready to adventure, Raps? I am ready to adventure. I am ready to sword. I'm ready to sorcery. I'm ready to dungeon. And you better believe I'm ready to dragon. Oh, wait, hold on. Uh, this, huh? uh, I am not, just so you know, I did not prepare a D&D campaign for you. Are you aware of this? No, 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 no. Sorry. I'm not looking for a D and D experience. <laughs> I'm just prepared for both D yes. and possibly D. And yes. or, in fact, also S and S via sword and sorcery prior. And even F for fantasy. I mean, sure. If if you're ready for it, I, I think that we will probably have it here. Because we have taken a sharp turn into the realm of high fantasy. But still, mm -hmm. as far as we are aware, it, it seem, seems quite as silly. Because uh, we are moving over to Grail Quest here. The first book is called The Castle of Darkness. And it seems it's from 1983, and uh, the cover looks like it's from 1983 in the fantasy mm -hmm. realm in the best way. Uh, I'm just very excited you know, to be classic fantasy art when everyone is Robin Hood except for the dragons who yes. all look weird in a different way? You know, standard fantasy art. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, so there's eight books in this series, and the fun thing is there is kind of like, you know, simple fighting mechanics, but also an inventory system, but also, also a level up system, but also, also, also that carries over between the eight books. So as yep. we cover these, we are going to be a character that gets more stuff. If we don't use it up in the book, we get to bring it to the next book that is that is in the rules. And we get to carry over maximum health as we level up over the course of time as well. So, like, there's there's some, like, actual carryover between the books in a very fun way that I'm looking forward to. But, uh, yeah. I, I can't believe they made a book a roguelike. Oh, my God. It's so true. Is it random? <laughs> the, perhaps the, the, the words on my page, they're changing. What's going on? Uh Pseudo random yeah. generation of the change, right? They're still legible, but that is just different. <laughs> no, no, it's just complete nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> I would yeah. like a roguelike to actually publish itself as randomly generated, and you open it and it's unplayable. It's, the, the code is randomly generated. Just like, dude, dude, I got one time. I went down to to play a roguelike quest. I opened the game and it launched. Like, oh my god, <laughs> oh my god, you got past the opening screen. Like, I heard yeah. one person once played Doom on it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyway, I think we should get into it here. We don't have a beware page, uh, but what we do have is a kind of like general introduction to the world and a very like loose framing of the rules in character as one of the characters. So do you want to take us into the world, Raps? Absolutely. Begin pseudo-chapter, Merlin. Sit still. I want to cast a spell. And don't fidget. You know how fidgeting upsets me? No, you don't. But you will. Mm, yes, indeed. Oh, it's easy to upset people my age. I'm much older than you. I'm also dead. I died hundreds of years before you were even born. But a little thing like that doesn't really make a lot of difference. 
That's what being a magician is all about. Ah, about the spell. You can't see me, of course. You can't hear me. Uh, maybe you can, but you can <laughs> read what I write. Yes, indeed. Are you nervous? You ought to be. It's a very powerful spell. I don't do this one very often. It takes too long. Some spells you just mumble a word. Others you have to have a wand. But this one, you have to write a whole spell book. The book you're holding. Just the one spell. I'm nearly too old for the length of this spell, but the king insists. Something must be done about Anselm. You're going to have to help, you know. You can't just sit there reading the spell book. Not if you're going to be a big-time magician like me and spend your life being bossed around by the king. No, help is needed. I don't have a body in your time, that's the trouble. So I'd need to, an assistant to fetch things for me. And that's you. Uh, you're my assistant. An apprentice, really. Sit still, don't fidget. <sighs> You'll have to get a quill and some parchment. A uh, goose quill. Peacock quills are pretentious. We leave that sort of nonsense to the wizards of Aganslum. A good goose quill, and a little knife to sharpen it, and some powders and water to mix the ink. A pencil or paper will do if you can't find a goose. You'll also need two dice. Or one if you can't find two. One will do nicely, but two would do better if you could find them. Ordinary dice, six sides, little spots. You must have them somewhere. Bring them back here and we'll cast the spell. Done. Back? Yes. Good. I'd better tell you about the spell, I suppose. Now that you're my apprentice, I'm going to cast it over you. Oh, don't panic. It's the sort of spell that has to be cast over someone. Otherwise, nothing happens. Nothing at all. Complete waste of a good spell. I'll tell you what the spell does. It takes you away from where you are now. Away from your time. Well, it takes most of you. The inside you. It leaves your body where it is, so if your parents look over, they won't know you're gone. But you will be. Yes, indeed. The inside you won't be in your time at all. It'll be in mine. When the inside you gets to my time, it'll just pop into another body. Quite a nice one. A young person, much like yourself, except better looking and stronger. I can't make you any smarter. But you'll just have to put up with that. Once you're in that other body, you'll be able to move around in it and get to do things just huh? like your own. You'll be able to see what things were like in my time. I think I can even arrange it so that you get to meet the king. King Arthur. Arthur Pendragon, son of Uther. Uh, quite a nice man if he wasn't so bossy. Well, younger than me, but then everybody is. You'll also get to meet knights and uh, have adventures. You may even get to meet me if I'm not too busy. You can get back to your own body at any time, of course. You just go. It's very simple. When you want to come back to my time, you just continue reading this spell book where you left off. No trouble at all. You'll enjoy living in my time. The food's better, for one thing. And there's lots of action, uh, quests, battle, adventures, that sort of thing. Knights in armor clanking around all the place. Horses, a lot of horses. Castles, keeps, fortresses, towers, and peasants, a smelly lot. We even have a few dragons left. Uh, not many, but in your time, they've all died out altogether. And there's a lot of magic about in my time. Much more than in yours. The conditions here are far better for working magic. You'll enjoy living in my time for a time. If you don't get yourself killed. 
That's the deal. That's the spell. But there are a couple of things we have to do before we're off. And these involve arithmetic. All right. It then goes to kind of explain the base rules that we did read off camera. And they're not really, they're not that bad. Basically, we have life points. We do have to roll to get our total life points right now. If you want to mm -hmm. do that, Raps. So we add two D6s together and then multiply that by four. That is our total life. That means we could have anywhere from eight to 48 health. We do get to roll it three times and take the best result. I mean, I guess it doesn't say we have to take the best result. We just roll three times and take the result we want. And I would like the highest. <laughs> That's true. Our first result is a six, a combination of a five and a one. Our oh. second is an eight, a combination of a six and a two. And our third is a seven. So we get an eight. Eight by four is 32, 32 HP. We can take 32. That's fine. That's, it's above average. That's survivable. It's survivable. It's uh, 31 more than I'll need, baby. Uh, but yeah, basically, whenever we fight... The way it's going to work is we roll two dice to try and hit. If you roll above a six, you hit. And the amount of damage you do is just the number above six. So if you roll seven, you'll do one damage. If you do, you know, roll an eight, you'll do two damage. And the same thing mm -hmm. is going to work for the enemies, but we're also going to get equipment and stuff like that to let us do more damage. We get armor to help us prevent damage, that kind of stuff. But it's a pretty simple system. We're going to roll two dice, and if it's a big number, that's very good. When it's us, if it's a big number, it's very bad when it's the enemy. It's just as mm -hmm. simple as that. Um, I guess. Uh, also, what else? there is a consciousness system whereby an enemy or us knocked down to five life points will be knocked unconscious. However, at zero, we or the enemy are dead. Yes. Does the unconscious nature apply to us as well? I guess I didn't see if that was the case. Uh, yes, it does. I... Your opponent, blah, blah, blah. Uh, if until you have five left when you fall unconscious or none left when you're dead. Rip. Uh, so, yeah. But I like the thought that we could be trying to knock somebody out, but we're just so strong that we kill them. And also mm -hmm. it says here they will become de deceased as a doornail. Uh, so there's that. But That's pretty dead. Yeah. So other than that, we do have there's the ability to sleep which is a very risky thing to do, but it's a way to get back some life points. We just roll a die and we need to get a five or a six. Otherwise we go into dream time, which is apparently very dangerous. So it seems like use the ability to sleep sparingly, but it's there if like there's no other choice, it kind of seems like, but I don't know, maybe there's something else to it. Mm -hmm. And we also have experience. So 20 experience will net us a permanent life point and experience is gained from any puzzle solved or any fight conquered. It's possible that really heroic deeds might earn more than one experience point at a time. Yeah. The, other, the only other thing that we got on these pages is that our name is Pip. It, it tells us that the character's name is, is Pip <laughs> and that is us. And here we are going to be going, I guess, into it, huh? Mm -hmm. you, oh no, we were going in to the realm of Avalon. It was a wonderful age to live in, despite the dangers. And so you said, I, I've always read this. I, well, first page I've already got. I've always read it as Pendragon because I was, I guess I've just been focused on that. But is that just wrong? Am I an, am I an I, idiot? I, 
I have no clue. I have no clue whatsoever. To my mind, it sounds more like a name yeah. if it were Pendragon or That's Pendragon. True. That is true. I don't know. Now I don't even know how I'm saying it. Yeah. I've never uh, I go, myself. I go Pendragon. Pendragon's son, King Arthur, by name, was on the throne of Avalon, ruling by the right of his great sword Excalibur, which he'd drawn from the stone as a boy when strong men could not move it. Arthur brought peace of a sort to the kingdom. Before his time, the local lords fought and squabbled among themselves like geese, so that there wait like geese, so that there was scarcely a minute's quiet from one year's end to the next. But Arthur changed all of that, and with just one marvelous invention, chivalry. A strange thing, chivalry, or strange when Arthur introduced it. We become accustomed to it by now, so that it seems like a law of nature, like gravity, or the way of the birds fly south in the summer. But in those days, it was a strange idea. Then if you were strong and wanted something that belonged to somebody else who was weak, you just took it. And if you were a knight and saw a maiden being carried off by a dragon, you let it eat her. Aye, and... If you were that same maiden, the chances were you let it eat you instead of sticking up for yourself, as any self-respecting maiden should. But Arthur, excuse me, dragon, please eat me. I do not want to stay. Just me. I, I gotta say, I do relate. No, no, I don't. I don't. No, don't eat me. Actually, um, <laughs> I couldn't bother. Look, I haven't tried, but I have a strong suspicion i'm delectable i can't blame you yeah i can't blame you i look if it would possibly if it could be arranged don't i mean don't eat me like i that's probably a, the as bold as i would get to a dragon if it's not going too far out of your way yeah if if it's yeah like if you have if you have other food around already if you have the snacks around already like i don't want to make i don't want to make you go out to the town and get somebody else like Mm-hmm. If that's I, like, I don't want you to have to go get something else to eat. I know how much effort you went to to pick me up, take me back to your cave, put me in a giant comedically large pot with some some broth. Simidon sous-vide me for two and a half weeks. I really yes. feel like my meat has fallen off the bone at this point. It, but it's if true. there's any other option, I know. And I know this is just the first time I've spoken up. <laughs> Two weeks later. Anyway. I've just been gathering up my will this entire time. Exactly. Anyways, but Arthur's strange idea of chivalry changed all of that. It introduced fair play and common courtesy and decency and justice and good good behavior and self-sufficiency, self-sufficiency and a lot of other fine things that were sadly lacking in Avalon, even in Pendragon's day. It did not introduce cricket, as many silly people claim, but it did introduce jousting, which was nearly as good, and if anybody tells you jousting is a violent, brutal sport simply because of brave knights will try and knock each other off their horses, you just point out it is a great deal better than what they got up to before jousting was invented. That hardly bears thinking about. The center of all this chivalry was something else that Arthur invented. The table round, or round table, as people insist on calling it. There really was a round table made of oak, mainly with teak inlay, big enough for a dozen or so knights to sit round quite comfortably. Even though knights are very bulky in their armor, but the round table was more than that, much more. The round table was a way of life. And it was a way of life that appealed greatly to a certain class of person. When Arthur first set up the round table, even before the master carpenter finished setting up the inlays, knights from all over Avalon were clamoring to join it. There was even one knight who traveled all the way from France, no mean feat in bad weather, to find out if there was even a place for him. 
His name was Monsieur Sir Lancelot du Lac, as it turned out. There was a place for him, and an important place at that. Although they did make him change his name a little so that the English could pronounce it Sir Lancelot of the Lake. With so many knights clamoring to join, Arthur could afford to pick the best for his round table, so he did. There was never so great a collection of knights since the Romans were chased out. Galahad, Percival, Lancelot, Bedivere, Guinevere. The list goes on and on, except that Guinevere's wasn't exactly a knight, she was Arthur's queen, but she often sat at the round table for the sake of the excellent advice she gave and the keen brain in her head. There was another who often sat at the round table, although he was not a knight either. He was what they call a druid, which is sort of a priest, sort of a miracle monger, all rolled into one. Does he turn into bears? Does he cast Shalalee? Do I know? Uh, he cast Speak with Dead and Animals at the same time. Oh, uh, you have so much more content in the game that way. Do we get to pick our class? I pick Bard? I pick Bard? I pick Druid? I pick Merlin. I pick Merlin? Oh, wait. <laughs> Seems strong. I'm playing the Merlin class? Just straight up Merlin class? His name was Merlin, which people might tell you was Welsh. The common people called him Merlin the Magician. The knights who were mostly afraid of him called him Sir Arthur. Wait. Called him Sir Arthur, who knew better, called him Silly Old Fool. But that was really a term of affection from the king. After all, it was Merlin who set the sword in the stone and helped make Arthur what he is today. That's the truth of the matter, although another wizard by the name of Anselm, took to claiming he was the one responsible. Nobody liked Anselm much, although there was few enough prepared to call him a liar to his face. Even among the brave knights, Anselm was a nasty piece of work and short-tempered at that. The sort of wizard who'd blight your crops as soon as, as, soon as they looked at you. And since nobody wants their crops blighted, people tended to leave Anselm alone. The table round was set at the King Arthur's court, which was at a place called Camelot. It was a remarkable sight, especially in the summer, with the pens flying from the spires and the sunshine glinting off the polished armor of the men-at-arms. In the winter, not so nice, perhaps, because the pennants drooped a little in the rain and the armor was prone to rust. But then Arthur was seldom stayed at Camelot in the winter. He usually went off to Cornwall. Not very far off of Camelot, if you... Had a good horse to carry you, was a farm. Nothing grand, nothing large, nothing spectacular, although it was owned by a free man. Not just worked by a serf. The farm was three and a half miles due north of a tiny little market village called Glastonbury, which was very near Camelot. But the road twisted and turned so much that by the time you reached the farm, you actually traveled nearer five miles than three and a half. Not that very many people ever did go to the farm. Why should they? If they wanted farm produce, they bought it at Glastonbury Market, so the farm was very isolated. And this particular farm lacked a great many home comfort and had next to no luxuries at all. In short, when you stop to think about it, the farm was about as far off from the splendors of Camelot as you could possibly even imagine. On this farm lived a young person, adopted child of the Freeman farmer, whose name was John. And John's wife, Miriam, or Mary, as she was more often called, the youngest person's name was Pip. Pip lived a quiet, uneventful life, serene, calm, peaceful, marked by the slow roll onwards of the seasons, interrupted only by the sleepy hum of the summer insects, or the sound of the early morning bird song. I'm gonna kill you, brat! I'm gonna murder you! I'm gonna slaughter you! I'm gonna beat your head in and tuck it underneath your arm! That's mean Jake talking, Pip. A boy three years older than you and a lot bigger. 
His father's also called Jake, Jake the Maggot. Five brothers, three younger, two older, four sisters, all older. A bad family, the whole lot of them. They make their living thieving from Glastonbury Market, which is where you are now. It's the early morning and nearly deserted. Your adopted father, Freeman John, always comes to the market very early to unload his vegetables. Unfortunately, he's gone off to the smith to buy a new bit for the pony. So you're all alone on the cart, which means your back is against a sack of carrots, and now Mean Jake has turned up out of nowhere, and he seems to have it in for you. Come on, brat! Get down off that cart! I'm gonna break you into tiny little pieces! We might discuss the reason for Mean Jake's behavior, the deprived childhood, the lack of a suitable role model, but that won't do you much good now, Pip. Look around you. There's not another soul in the market square, not one. Too early. And Freeman John won't be back for half an hour. It looks like you're going to have to fight him. Either that or get killed and murdered and slaughtered and your head beaten into and tucked under your arm and the rest of you broken into little pieces. Not much of a choice there. Fight or run. And you can't run because Freeman John would never find you, so it's a fight. Got your dice? Let's go. <laughs> mean Jake has 20 life points. About average for a boy his age. <laughs> Just, okay. Climb down slowly off the cart, Pip. But keep an eye on him. That one has a habit of rushing at you when you aren't looking. Wouldn't want that because it gives him the first blow. So keep an eye on him and close in slowly. That way you might get your punch in first. So careful now. Throw one dice for yourself and one die for me and Jake. Whoever gets the highest score gets the first punch. Circle random slowly. Keep your eye on him. Don't be in any hurry. Come on, brat. I'm gonna... He talks too much. That's good. Try and bop him on the nose. It's a harder it's harder to hit his nose. You do need to roll an eight instead of a six, but if you do hit him, if you hit him there, you'll score double damage. Okay, not much sense in stringing this out. Get the dice rolling and start the fight. So if we roll an eight, we we hit him in the nose and do double damage. Mm-hmm. That's I will note I rolled for initiative, and we got a four. Mean Jake got a two. We're gonna be going first. Well, alright. Do we wanna aim for the nose? Do we want to bop him one? I mean, can we can we aim? <laughs> How to well, aim yeah, a die? It's, Wait. Is it not that we have to choose in this instance whether or not we're hitting him on the nose? It's a bit harder. We'd you have need to roll, to roll an, eight. an eight an eight instead of a six. Oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, it it brings that wow, they just throw you for a, a game mechanic immediately. So instead of trying mm -hmm. to get above a six, we need to try and get above an eight. I thought it was just saying eight is your crit, your crit point. Like if you get an eight, you crit. But oh, that, that ma might yours makes more sense. No, I think yours makes more sense. That ma yours makes more sense. I think we should. I mean, go big, go home. Go big, go home. Go, go big, big, go, go home. home. We attack. Nice for nine. Nine. Okay. So, well, but the thing is, so do we? <laughs> if we were, we're rolling above an eight. And we get a nine. Does that mean we do two mm. damage? Or it surely it means we still go above six, so it'd be six damage. Surely. Okay, yeah. This this has got to be crit. Right. Yeah. It's it's you aim both of them at the same time. If you get above an eight, you modify for the nose hit instead. Yeah, um, I think so. Because this would do yeah, exactly. Exactly. Only it wouldn't make sense if otherwise. we hit the nose, three it damage would, yeah. if we hit the bottom. It it has yeah, it has it has it wouldn't make sense otherwise. So, all right, so that should be three damage. He's down from 20 to... Or wait, no, shoot. <laughs> Six damage. Oh, wait, no! 
What's up? No, 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 no. It's not, the damage you deal is not the difference between the thresholds and uh, the damage you roll. It's the difference between six and the damage you roll. Yeah, that's what I was saying. So therefore it should be. So we do nine damage, right? If we roll the nine. No, wait, six. And it's threshold six. That's what I was saying, six. Oops. We got there. Sorry. The other, Goosebumps doesn't have this much math. I understand you now. Yeah, that's what, we were saying the same thing. We we arrived at the same point through different means, and I thought we were on the same page. Uh, mm-hmm. But we, we got to the same point anyway. So that's six damage. He's down to 14 then. Uh, yep. So then we now, now we roll for... Oh, that's right. I'm going to... Does he aim for Ardo's? No. All right. I have rolled a... I have, he's also rolled a nine, but he does not get the crit. So that is only three damage for us, but we do take mm-hmm. it. So that's... I mean, that's fine. That brings the us down to 29. End. Oh, yeah, we're on the next Yeah, page. when the first fighter loses 10 or more life points. So we yeah. just need to deal four. For all the bluster, this fight will not end up with a murder. It stops when the first fighter loses 10 or more life points. If the first fight... Okay, okay. Yeah, so you go ahead. So we do not uh, deal damage this turn. We roll three. Okay. Uh, he just... We swing wide. He does three. He swings wider. <laughs> by, <laughs> by does three, I mean he rolls three. He does not hit us. Oh, we are perfect. Fine. Yeah, we're fine. We're going to ready ourselves up, steady our shoulders. Yep, yep. And it works out. We roll an eight. Which I guess, yes, yeah, so that'd be four damage. So that would theoretically bring him down to ten, which would mean we have hit the threshold, right? Mm-hmm. We've done ten damage to him. All right. So if the first player to lose ten or more life points is Mean Jake, then turn to page two. All right. That's shown him. He's running off sniveling. Maybe next time he'll think twice about picking on somebody smaller than himself. Good for you, Pip. That was well done. Well fought. We'll make a knight out of you yet. Don't worry about your missing life points. Or his come that. I wasn't worried. They they grow back. You get one back every hour that passes after a fight is finished. How do we know? What? How do we know how many hours? Uh, You can't get back more than you had to start with, of course, but that's all right. By tomorrow, you should be as good as new. Meanwhile, you have a bit of a problem. The mess you're in. Amazing how difficult it is to get in a good fight without getting into a mess as well. You're going to have to think of some way of explaining that to Freeman John. He doesn't approve of fighting. Hey-ho, life is full of problems. Better turn to three now, Pip, and find out what else is in store for you on this adventure. (laughs) Did you? Were you worried about the... Mean, what is it? Mean Jake's life points? I was not. Yeah, I was worried we left him with too many. Yeah. <laughs> if only we could. Uh, is there any way we could have crit? No. If we I mean, gotten, yeah, if we crit, if we got six, right? At oh my the God. Second yeah, there, attack, we could have done 12. There's a chance we could have killed him. Yeah, I guess. If we hit him once for about, yeah, like eight or nine, and then we did the 12. Yeah, there is a world in which you can kill Mean Jake. And it would have been a better one. So it was for Pip and Freeman John and Freeman John's good wife, Mary. Life went on in its same old uneventful way. The tilling and the sowing and the reaping. The fine days and the fowl. And talking of fowl, good wife Mary brought some chickens with the proceeds of a particularly good sale of Swedes Freeman John made in Glastonbury. So now they had eggs to eat on the farm. It may not sound much, but it meant a lot to to them. When you're struggling to make ends meet, an egg is a treat, and a very good for you one. What? And a very good one for you, by the way. Pip got the job of feeding the chickens. Silly birds they were. They were six chickens in all, and one morning there were seven eggs. 
goodwife Mary claimed it was a miracle, although it's much more likely that a chicken simply decided to work overtime. Perhaps she liked Pip. You get chickens like that sometimes. When feeding the chickens, Pip used to daydream about leaving the farm and going off to find fame and fortune, especially fortune. There were always stories about adventurers which ended in hordes of gold when you killed the dragon or whatever it was that adventure was all about. A hoard of gold would come in very in handy on the farm, Pip thought. It would stop Goodwife Mary worrying about it so much and Freeman John come to that. The only one who didn't seem to worry all the time was Pip. Probably too busy feeding chickens and finding the market square, eh? Shh. You know what, Reps? You want to read the, uh, the parentheses? It's kind of like a bonus voice. Shh. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it seems like they're coming up more often than... As, as, you'll be like the uh, the person, the author over the sh author's sh shoulder saying, actually, change that, change that. <laughs> Sometimes Absolutely, Pip... I'll be the blue pages. Yeah, exactly. Sometimes Pip daydreamed of joining the round table and riding off on a fine horse out of Camelot to find adventure on a hoard of gold. Two hordes of gold, even. But it was only <laughs> a dream. Of course, that sort of thing never happens in real life. Two lords of gold. Not that the table round could have done it with a little help at the time. Even from Pip, it isn't all ale and jousting being a knight or even a king. Come to that, there are even times when affairs of state weigh heavily. Affairs of state can be anything from a bad harvest in the realm to the threat of another invasion by those Romans or even an upsurge of dragons. Dragons are rare enough, but every so often. When it rains the first two weeks of August. They have a good breeding season in the following July... The following July, the place seems to be infested with them. No jousting for the knights then. They're all too busy racing around like maniacs, killing dragons, or getting treatment for burns. Still, dragons weren't the problem this time. August last year had been fine. No problem. The problem was Anselm. The wizard Anselm, in a nutshell, was getting far too big for his boots. Hardly a day went past that King Arthur didn't have at least one petition to do something about him. Please, sire, he's blighted my corn! Please, sire, he took my pig! Please, sire, he's dried up my moat! True, all true, Anselm was a world-class, prime-time, A1 nuisance. Worse than the Romans, worse than the dragons, the problem was that many of the knights were so afraid of him. Knights are fighters, great people in the face of physical adversity, but magic makes them nervous. And everybody knew that the wizard Anselm had a lot of magic. So when King Arthur suggested to Percival or Galahad or whoever that they should do something about the wizard Anselm, he started getting some funny answers. Of course, sire. Except I have a wrong to write in Tinder Tale first. Of course, sire. Only, I'm just this minute off to a quest for the Holy Grail. And so on. Eventually, in desperation, Arthur dispatched the brave King Pelin Pelinor to do something about the problem, but Pelinor got lost in the forest outside Wizard Anselm's dark castle. Poor sense of direction, that Pelinor. <laughs> Merlin might have been able to do something about it, being a wizard himself, but Merlin was missing at the moment, with a lot of ridiculous gossip about about his having got himself a girlfriend. Nonsense at his age, of course. <laughs> she lives in Canada. <laughs> but he wasn't about whatever the reason. Uh, so the wizard Anselm went his merry, wicked way unchecked. While King Arthur was trying to cope with these troublesome affairs of states, an odd thing happened that went completely unnoticed in Camelot, although it was extremely unnoticeable on Freeman John's farm, that being where it happened. It was extremely noticeable on Freeman John's farm, that being where it happened. Pip was talking to a chicken at the time on the theory that a little encouragement might increase egg production. 
And right in the middle of his little chat, Goodwife Mary staggered into the coop. Her face is pale as newly milled flour. Pip, says she, and stops. Oh, Pip. And stops again, clinging to a nearby perch for support. Mother, what's the matter? Asks Pip anxiously. It was always mother, even when Goodwife Mary was an adopted mother. This being the age of chivalry, politeness was important. Are you ill? Ill? She looks around vaguely, first at the coop, then at the chickens, which have gathered round in a curious circle, bobbing their heads and sussing out the situation with very bright, very beady eyes. Ill? No. No, I'm not ill. I don't think so. Oh, Pip, men have come. Men, mother? Asks Pip, who knows how to frame a stupid question when the need arises. Nobles, Pip, great men, knights, knights of the round table, with their horses and their pages. They're in the yard now, talking to your father. She reels a little, as if about to faint, but her secure grip on the perch does its job and she stays up tight, upright, eyes as wide as saucers. Oh, Pip, they're asking after you, Pip. After you, Pip? What's going on here? After me, Mother? After you, Pip. Pip! Pip! Where are you, Pip? That's the voice of Freeman John calling you. So you take Goodwife Mary's arm and lead her out the door to the chicken coop. Out of the chicken coop, forgetting to close the door because all this nonsense about nights so that chickens pile out after you and find out what on earth is going on. But it's true enough, at least it seems to be, the farmyard's full of large men in armor with swords and halberds and snorting great war horses. They aren't knights. Goodwife Mary was wrong about that, but they're definitely men-at-arms, an escort, so to speak, but definitely from Camelot. For they wear the king's colors and fly the king's pennant, at least twelve of them half-filling half filling the farmyard, and very fierce-looking they are. Freeman John is talking to one of them, a burly fellow bursting from his chainmail with the insignia of the sergeant-at-arms. Pip? Says Freeman John, who looks just as pale and just as shocked as the goodwife Mary. These good men want you to go with them. Boss wants to have a word with you, explains the sergeant-at-arm brusquely. With me? If your name's Pip, it is Pip, isn't it? You nod dumbly. <laughs> we don't worry, we did, not escape, that. we did not escape <laughs> mean, uh, <laughs> the mean direction at the player from Goosebumps. I, 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 don't worry, we didn't nod smartly. It wasn't yeah. a, a really, really deft nod. Yeah, or solemnly or any that garbage. That's settled then, I interrupted again. Says the sergeant-at-arms. Bring up the spare horse, George. And to you, when one of his men brought the spare horse. You can ride a horse, can't you? You nod again. Less stupidly, I guess. Although this horse is twice the size of the farm pony. And draped with a coat of arms you don't quite recognize. A very strange-looking coat of arms. Almost sinister, in fact. And it's a black horse, too. Black as night. All right, then. Up you go, says the sergeant-at-arms, pointing towards the stirrup. Then to John as an aside. We'll have the kid back in a day at most, Freeman. Don't you worry. Take good care. We will, lads and me. No harm will come to you or anybody while we're about. Stout English yeoman type, the ruination of the country. Come on, Pip, he says. Up you go. Do you go willingly? Oh, choice, choice, choice. If so, turn to four. Do you protest or run or kick and scream and try and make a fight out of it? If so, turn to five. Hmm. 
I mean, I just don't think we're well equipped to, like, face up against the sergeant at arms and the other 12 knights in this area. It does seem a bit, uh, hasty to mm. me. Perhaps we should go willingly rather than get killed. Yeah, that sounds probably good. Clinging precariously to the back of his huge black horse with its sinister insignia, you are led away from the farm of your adoptive parents. At first on the familiar road to Glastonbury Town, but shortly turning off to less familiar tracks until within an hour or so, you are thoroughly lost. Also noteworthy, you are to ride a huge black horse, it says in the footnote here. The men-at-arms seem sure enough of their direction, though, and even when they enter Dark Forest, they seem to show no signs of nervousness. There's a fair amount of chatter amongst themselves. Much of it involving the quality of food in the Camelot Canteen. Which is odd, since you would imagine the food at Camelot would be very fine. But perhaps it's only very fine for the real knights and nobles, not for the men-at-arms. The going is slow through the forest, so that the sun hangs low in the sky by the time you emerge abruptly into a vast clearing. In the center of which, wait, in the center of which is a log castle. No, not a log cabin, a log castle. Not very big as castles go, but big enough. Certainly a lot bigger than your home or any of the houses you've seen in Glastonbury with a log drawbridge spanning a deep, still moat. There are no men-at-arms on the battlements, only crows which raise a raucous alarm as your party approaches. Since they are going to take you inside this strange castle anyways, Pip, whatever you do, better turn on now to six to find out what happens. Also worth noting, did we um mark down experience for beating the crap out of Mean Jake? We did indeed! Good. I'm okay. starting to mark it as a tally. Good deal. The hooves of horses clatter loudly on the wooden drawbridge before you and your party pass beneath an open wooden portcullis into a stone-flagged yard. This is the first time you have been in a castle. Let alone a log castle. But if you expected hordes of servants, you are bitterly disappointed. The only horde that emerges from a small curtain doorway in the north wall of the courtyard is a cross-eyed shambling hunchback in a leather jerkin and tattered leggings. He carries a wicked-looking dagger stuck carelessly in a leather belt around his waist. He's nearly bald and limps on account of a club foot. The left one. His bottom lip hangs. To tell the truth, he looks like an awful mess. This creature drags his club foot in your direction, halting just in time to stop your horse shying away in fright, and stares up at you for a moment with great, ugly, roomy, squinty eyes. Both brown, you can now see. He gurgles after a moment. This the, oh, I like, think this is in his yeah, voice. So yeah. too. They don't always mark the start of quotations yeah, in this. Yeah, it's tough. This be Pip, all right. You lot can go now. About your lawful business. Right, Eager. Says the sergeant-at-arms briskly, obviously scared witless of this creature, but not wanting to show it. He wheels about, and the entire arm party rides out of the courtyard across the drawbridge. And behind them, although there is no one about, the portcullis slams down, and the drawbridge raises up, leaving you alone with Eager. Down you come, says Igor. Just leave the mare. She'll take care of herself. And since there isn't much else you can do, you climb down from the horse. This way, young Pip. This way, uh, says Igor, shambling off the way he came, back in through that little doorway in the north wall. You just follow after me. <laughs> the master wants to see her. <laughs> 
and so forth, rolling like a boat in the swell on account of his club foot. And since there isn't much else to do, you much else you can do here either. You follow him down a gloomy, torchlit corridor. But why don't the torches set the wooden walls afire? Though, uh, through an arch, along a second corridor, and into a small but well-appointed room, with a table and some chairs, and leather-bound books on shelves around the walls, and a globe of, globe of the world near the table, and a map of the heavens on the table, and dividers and compasses and parchment and a goose quill pen and inks and powders and potions and heaven knows what. Not that you're paying much attention to the room, because the strangest thing is happening to Igor. His hump is dropping off, and his club foot is straightening. He's growing taller, thinner, sprouting long white hair on his head, and a long gray beard on his face. And his clothes are changing, the leather jerkin and the ghastly leggings, and his eyes are unsquinting and changing from brown to blue. It is, without a doubt, the most amazing, miraculous, most magical transformation you have ever witnessed. In place of the shambling eager stands the well-appointed, in this well-appointed room, a tall, straight, blue-eyed, gray-bearded old man in a long white robe and a pointed hat. Both embroidered, incidentally, with moons and stars and suns and planets and other curious symbols. That's better, says the old man, and his voice is dry, not at all like Eager's voice. Shapeshifting's always such a nuisance, but they expect a man in my position to have servants, even if he can't afford them. So it's necessary. Yes. Oh, yes, indeed. He stares at you with those piercing blue eyes. Well... I see you've gotten here, made it safely, spell worked, knew it would, enjoying yourself, are you young Pip, fighting the village boys, all that sort of thing, oh good, good, but there's much more important work at hand just now. He waves you towards a chair with a sort of movement of one long bony hand. Sit down, sit still, don't fidget. It was in this way that young Pip met one of the oddest individuals ever to walk the face of fair Avalon in the days of King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table. Although it took Pip quite a time to realize the identity of the old man who could shapeshift into the form of a hunchback Igor. And probably into quite a few other forms, if the truth be known. In fact, poor Pip was so confused, the question had to be asked outright. Who are you, sir? And the ancient shapeshifter with the piercing blue eyes said, Me? I'm Merlin, of course. Merlin. Now there you have it. That explains a lot. Merlin the Welshman, Merlin the Druid, Merlin the Magician, advisor of King Arthur, and any of the knights who cared to listen. The old wise man of Camelot who lived in a log castle in a clearing in the forest. And sometimes lived in a cave, and sometimes in a tree trunk, and sometimes heaven knew where, because you could never really find him when you wanted him, so the king used to say. You might wonder what a man in Merlin's position would want with a young farmhand like Pip. You might wonder what would persuade him to send a party of the king's own men-at-arms to fetch such an unimportant individual. But the fact of the matter was that Merlin was a bit daft. Doolally tap, as they say in Yorkshire, by which they mean someone lacking all of his marbles. Barmy, not all there, nutty, if not quite as a fruitcake, at least as a currant bun. In this state, brought by an old age, perhaps, or by chasing after young women, for the rumors about his girlfriend were all too true, as history attests. Merlin has fo had formed a the strange delusion that Pip was not Pip at all, but a young person from the distant future, drawn by magic to inhabit Pip's sturdy body. All this nonsense, of course, but... 
When a man like Merlin gets an idea fixed in his mind, the devil himself could not shift it, and with the idea roosting in his white thatched skull, everything that Merlin did the next did next made a great deal of sense, for he was next to teach Pip the rudiments of magic. Now pay attention, says Merlin. The king has a problem. Wait, says Merlin. I think that's the sort yeah. of a new quote. Yeah, I wish. Yeah, says Merlin. <laughs> It it happens. It's okay. Dang book. Start the quotation. The, the king has a problem. At least he will have, even if he doesn't know it yet. Guinevere, the queen, a delightful woman, but she's going to be kidnapped. It hasn't happened yet, but it will. He gestures to the parchment on the table, which is covered in calculations and blots. No doubt about it, he says. I worked it out by astrology. Saturn trying Jupiter and a very nasty aspect and a rising sign. I don't have to tell you what that means. It means she's going to be kidnapped. Soon seized, abducted, snatched right out of Camelot from very under our nose. The queen herself. Dreadful. He walks to a nearby bookshelf and takes down a leather-bound tome, which he opens at page 86. I'm writing that down. I don't know why that feels special. Okay. Inside, hmm. stuck down rather messily with glue, is a charcoal drawing of a black-haired, black-bearded, black-eyed, extremely villainous-looking man in black robes holding a wand. And that, says Merlin, is the rogue who will do it, Anselm. Ah, the one they call the wizard Anselm. Although, in my opinion, he'd be hard put to test a spell from a mangle. Still, he knows a trick or two, we have to admit that. Well, now says Merlin, putting away the book again. We have to do something about it, at least. And here he turns his gimlet gaze upon you, Pip. You have to do something about it. I'm too busy. Me, sir? You ask, perhaps a little terrified. Yes, you, of course you. Why do you think I brought you all the way here from your own time just to talk to chickens? No, young Pip. There's a job to be done, and you're here to do it. But at least it isn't very difficult. All you have to do is get into the wizard Anselm's dark castle and rescue the queen. Nothing to it for a healthy young person like yourself. As long as you avoid the traps. And the monsters. He breeds them, you know, for a hobby, and then lets them wander all over his castle. The smell is dreadful, but you'll get used to it. Uh, stupid things, monsters. Most of them. Uh, they shouldn't give you trouble. Mm, worse than can happen is they'll eat you. He stops as if he just remembered something. Then he goes on. Oh, yes. Uh, you might as well kill Anselm while you're at it. Thoroughgoing <laughs> nuisance, that man. Always blighting people's corns and stealing their pigs and drying up their moats. Not to mention kidnapping queens. So just kill him. Uh, otherwise, he'll kill you, of course. He's just that sort. <laughs> it feels more appropriate to do a murder. <laughs> in this realm but i do love the bluntness of he is a nuisance so just like <laughs> i just kill him i mean i had a black conversation where i asked him to stop once and that yeah. didn't work so <laughs> kill him i guess just, i don't know just like he seems kind of mean he's like kill him i guess i i'm with it i mean it seems right because of the realm and like the fantasy environment that our goal should be to kill mm -hmm. the, the kill the man but like also <laughs> he did just show us a picture of the guy and he looks pretty villainous is villainous he looks like i don't know 
Bizarro Merlin, I guess? Yeah, pretty much. And we're assuming Merlin is good. Yeah, I mean, that's the, true. True. He spreads his hands. So you see, it isn't much of a job, really. I'd do it myself if I weren't so dang busy. So you just cut along now, Pip. Uh, oh, wait, I forgot something. Uh, me hiring an assassin to do a murder? It's not much of a job, really. I'd do it myself if I wasn't so busy. Like, just, <laughs> I just, I really like, I've got a lot of chores. Otherwise, I would assassinate this man, but I'm really it's, behind on dishes. <laughs> it's like someone trying to negotiate with a creative, like, oh, I could have done that for $20. Yeah, yeah do it for $20. Yeah, no, you're too busy. <laughs> yeah. I'm too busy with the big picture right now to uh, <laughs> assassinate this man. <laughs> Uh, so saying, Merlin dives beneath the table with a surprising agility for such an old man and drags out a large cloak, cloak, oak chest bound in iron bands. Oh, you'll need this, he says, opening the chest and taking out a sword. <laughs> this, says Merlin, is the sword Excalibur Jr. <laughs> a magical blade, something similar to the one that I made for the king, except smaller. Uh, when you use this, you only need to roll a four or better to hit somebody. And when you do hit, you can add five to any damage oh it caused. It talks too, although not very often. It calls itself EJ. What the hell? You need to roll a four or better to hit somebody, and when you hit, add five? Uh, so yeah, you add five to your damage, but your That's... threshold for doing any damage. So if we roll a it's... five, we do six damage to the enemy. Yeah, that seems incredible that's it but also good. i guess i don't well, understand i imagine I also we're, don't understand, yeah i i, I yeah, we're not gonna go up against unarmed uh, village boys consistently yeah. why not can't we just go back and farm mean jake for xp mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. hey every single fight apparently gives us one experience so yeah, beating up the village boy is worth as much as a dragon we could just kill everyone in town, assuming, because we do have the general stat block for a boy his age, it said. <laughs> That's true. Let's the just rumble a couple of towns and then go straight to Anselm <laughs> with the ridiculous HP. We come here just covered in the blood of innocence, but have very big biceps and a sword <laughs> called Excalibur Jr., which I love, by the way. I love that it talks as well. I'm so keen. Yeah, a talking sword called Excalibur Jr. is... I love it so much. Merlin plunges back inside the chest. Oh, and you'll need this, he says, bringing out a leather jerkin, which rather miraculously fits you to perfection. Looks like leather. Feels like leather. Weighs no more than leather. But it isn't leather. It's dragon hide. Don't see many jackets like this one around, young Pip. As good as a suit of armor, this one. Anyone hits you while you're wearing this and it subtracts four points from any damage they could cause you. Four whole points! That could make the difference between life and death, Pip. Dang. It's great, because I do feel overpowered right now. So this is mm -hmm. instilling me with confidence until it doesn't. He closes the chest and puts it away. Then walks quickly to a shelf and takes down a small casket like a jewel box. From inside, he takes three small blue glass bottles. Now, potions! He hands you the bottles. Keep those carefully. They're potions 
Uh, oh gosh. Oh boy, I scrolled way too far. Of healing! <laughs> secret. The secret blend oh. of castor oil and mugwort. It tastes foul, but it restores life points. Swallow one of these and roll two dice at once, or one die twice, and the score shows you how many life points you get back. I can only spare three bottles. I'm busy, but each <laughs> contains six doses. Try to stretch them out. Huh. Wait. You have three bottles that contain six doses? Mm-hmm. So we have uh, 16, 16, 18, sorry, uh, actual doses, but we have three bottles. Great. Once again, I feel so overpowered. I can't wait to be proven mm -hmm. wrong. <laughs> At the very end. Oh, also, take this wand. It's called the instantly kill your enemies wand. Yeah, Junior. <laughs> <laughs> it it talks constantly. Hey, <laughs> I, I am the one to kill people instantly, Junior. It's very powerful, but also very annoying. So no one wields it. Yeah. I, I mean, know. I would wield it, but I'm too busy. I'm too busy. <laughs> he sniffs. Well, now, says Merlin. That's about it, isn't it? He frowns. No, it's not. Oh, you are stupid, Pip. You didn't remind me to teach you magic. You won't get very far in Wizard Anselm's dark castle without a bit of magic, will you? Uh, let me see your hands. Are you still there, Pip? Reeling a bit from all that, no doubt, but still there. Still compost, as they say. Mentis, which is an expression the Romans use to denote that you're still in full possession of your head. You got two full-grown people inside your head, Pip. I'm sorry. Doesn't he go on a bit to old Merlin? The Welsh are like that, of course. The only time they stop talking is when they're singing. Fortunately, Merlin does not sing. Better show him your hands, Pip. Otherwise, he'll go on at you forever. Bit of dirt under your fingernails, I see, Merlin says. Never mind. You can wash them later, before you meet the king. I did just tell you you'd meet the king, didn't I? When you will, uh, just as soon as you rescue the queen and bring her back from Wizard Anselm's dark castle. Uh, well, you'll get to meet the king then. If you're still alive, that is. I might even get yourself knighted. You never know. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes, your hands! He stares at your hands for a moment, then goes to the table and dips his goose quill in the ink. Hold still now. He says. Don't fidget! And right there in the center of each palm, he draws a circle with a star inside of it. Draws it rather well, too, then... Holding your hands tightly to steady them, he draws a second, very tiny circle on the tip of each of your two forefingers. Right hand first, and then the left. Now, he says. I'm going to write something down, and I want you to tell me if you can read it. With which he tears a piece of parchment off the end of the sheet filled with calculations, and writes on it with a quill, and then hands it to you. On the piece of parchment paper, he has written the words, Firefinger 1. Okay. If you speak the words aloud, an answer to his question turn to seven. If you only nod an answer, go to eight. I mean, mm. I, surely it is something we would, like, cast? Yeah, he says, tell me if you can read it, not read it. Yeah, so I feel like eight. Let's go to eight. You see, says Merlin, this is an important bit of magic I've given you. Uh, a spell, you might say. 
Uh, every time you say Firefinger 1, and a bolt of lightning will jump from the tip of your right forefinger and hit anything you're pointing at in the same room. All you do need to do is point, it never misses, and it causes ten points of damage to anything it hits. Ten! Uh, imagine that! More dangerous than a sword, that is. And if you say Firefinger 2, the same thing will happen. The same thing will happen with your left forefinger. He regards you severely. Now, remember two things. The first is that the spell only works five times for each finger. So you only have ten lightning bolts in all. So don't go wasting them on nonsense like target practice or showing off. That's the first thing. The second thing. And here his face grows even more grave, if that is even possible. Is that you must never, never say Firefinger 1 or Firefinger 2 while your hands are in your pockets. Otherwise, you will do yourself the most dreadful injury. Hmm. The lone bony finger comes up and points directly at your nose that you begin to hope Merlin himself has no lightning bolts concealed in his fingers. But that is not all, young Pip. Not indeed. Not by a long chalk. In the palms of your hands, you now have concealed two huge magical fireballs. Two only. One in each hand. They are your most powerful weapons. They do 75 <laughs> points of damage if they hit. 75! Yes, yes indeed. That'll be enough to put pain to old Anselm. I'll be bound. He coughs. The problem is, they don't always hit what you aim at. You have to throw dice exactly the way you do when you're fighting. If you can't manage at least a six with two dice, or one die rolled twice, then you've missed. Miss completely. Waste your fireball, and you've only two altogether, so make sure to roll. <laughs> make sure to roll well. Just roll well forehead. You launch your fireball by shouting, good and loud, mark you. Fireball away! Were your hands in your pocket wraps? No, my Oh no. I'm in my bottle. My button body. Oh. Steam Tims. <laughs> now they are. Then you roll your dice to see if it's hit anything. That's the way you do it. So save your fireballs if you can and use them on Anselm. Look at you. Di look at you. Oh wait, hold Ooh. on. Wait, hang on. I Oh no. <laughs> they did the thing again. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. It's, it's all good. I will just jump to the point. At... So save your fireballs if you can, Pip, and use them on Anselm. Oh, look you, Dybach. Says Merlin, lapsing into Welsh in his excitement. The issue is that the book also talks as if it's, you know, sometimes where it's like, says Pip. Look out, Pip. Yeah, exactly. So, some, so sometimes it causes, yeah. At which very I didn't point... I it until right at the end. Yeah. <laughs> At which point in the very conversation, or duologue, as it might better be described, there is a great commotion outside, like men pounding on log walls, ringing bells, shouting to get somebody's attention, which is likely exactly what they are doing, since the drawbridge is up and there's nowhere in, no way in. Merlin smiles to himself. There, says he. That will be the king's messengers with the news of the queen's kidnapping. Right on time, according to the ancient paramatic scrolls. But... We're ready for them, eh, Pip? At least you are. I'll just go out and tell them you'll sort this all out. 
And off he goes, shape-shifting into Igor in the corridor and tells the king's messengers that Pip, brave Pip, is all prepared to rescue Queen Guinevere from the wizard Anselm's dark castle. All right. To the dark castle of the wizard Anselm. What a scandal! What a fuss! What a fluttering in dovecoats! To use a picturesque picturesque expression it was panic stations throughout camelot throughout the whole of avalon for that matter the queen kidnapped impossible such a thing had never happened before but it had happened now and the way it has happened was extremely creepy no warning no declaration of war no attack on the castle no peasant notable revolt in fact it's been fairly ordinary day all things considered there was a meeting of the table round in the morning with nothing terribly exciting on the agenda. All the discussions were perfectly routine. Lancelot tabled a list of wrongs to be righted and the knights shared them out equitably. Bedivere complained about the drains. He had a thing about drains. Galahad gave a brief report on the dragon situation, which was actually well under control. Percival suggested somebody should go looking for King Pelinor, who is still lost in the forest, and everyone agreed to refer to the matter of, to a subcommittee for further study. All absolutely routine, with not a hint of trouble. After that, King Arthur held his usual public audience, with, during which he judged, he judged disputes and listened to complaints. Please, sire! The wizard Anselm stole my pig! But even here, Anselm was proving no more of a nuisance than usual. Queen Guinevere, meanwhile, had not attended either the table round or public audience since a look at both agendas had convinced her that the problems were so simple even men could handle them without help. So she went off to her study to write them some important letters to a Scottish cousin about the possibility of increasing his country's haggis exports. She was attended in the study by two ladies-in-waiting and three maids of honor, that being the usual custom at Camelot. She was attended by a contingent of men-at-arms, an honor guard who waited stiffly outside the door, their hands on their swords, looking fierce, that being the custom too. There was only one door into the study, and consequently one door out. It was a small room with very few, if any, places to hide. Should we be writing this down? If, oh, should we be dear. mapping that in some way? Because I know it said, in the hints it suggested to do some mapping of the castle when we get there. For some reason, I know that it's probably talking about the other, but I don't know. It's probably not important. And, I, and if it is, we'll just come back here. Yeah, I it's, feel like it's, it's not, not important. This yet, is probably I'm not going important. to draw it. Sure. This is probably not important. I think they're just talking about when we truly get there. But hey, we'll see. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Nobody expected any more trouble than the occasional ink blot. And not even that, really, since the queen was noted for her pen womanship. But all of a sudden, the men-at-arms outside heard the ladies-in-waiting and the maids of honor inside suddenly began to scream their little heads off. Naturally, the men drew swords and rushed in, making a great fuss, as men do in an emergency, to find that the queen has vanished. They couldn't get a lot of sense out of the ladies or the maids, who all claimed Guinevere had simply disappeared while she sat behind her desk. One minute there, next minute gone, with not even a puff of smoke to mark her departure. The sergeant at arms had a shrewd suspicion they had not been paying enough attention and called for a thorough search of the room. Paying particular attention to secret panels and the like, but there proved to be no secret panels. And no queen either. Reluctantly, everyone reported back to Arthur, who was just finishing up his public audience with the, when the news arrived. Arthur was, of course, terribly upset and lost his temper for a while, shouting all sorts of threats at his guards. But he calmed down very quickly in order to throw search of the entire castle, particularly the grounds. Fearing Guinevere might have fallen out of a window. 
When this produced no indication of the missing queen, he began to suspect sorcery afoot. Afoot, even. And suspected sorcery, and having suspected sorcery, he naturally thought of that pig-stealing, moat-drying, crop-blighting nuisance, the wizard Anselm. Lancelot, he said to his bravest knight, the time has come to do something about the wizard Anselm. Permanently. And Lancelot, who is a really a bit too fond of the queen for his own good, promptly agreed. I will ride, sire, this instant to the dark castle of the wizard Anselm, and there I shall single-handedly fight my way through his guards and his monsters and put the villain to death with my trusty sword. Don't talk rubbish, Arthur said, in no mood for that sort of chivalrous nonsense. You wouldn't even get into the courtyard. What's needed here is someone's devious, someone sneaky, someone with the sort of convoluted animal cunning that will get them past Anselm's tricks and traps. <sighs> Merlin! Lancelot breathed. Exactly. Arthur said, and forthwith dispatched messengers to Merlin's famous log castle with the news of the queen's disappearance. The messengers returned, but not with Merlin. They returned with a very nervous and confused young person equipped with a sword that looked suspiciously like a sawn-off version of Excalibur and mumbling <laughs> some nonsense about lightning bolts and fireballs. Didn't sound much of an answer to the greatest crisis the realm has ever faced, but Arthur knew how stubborn Merlin could be. And for all the druid was an old fool, Arthur still had a sneaking regard for his judgment. So he ordered the quartermaster general to pack some sandwiches and fruit in a lunchbox and check out a standard-issue backpack with ropes and climbing spikes and other odds and ends to use to command those. Wait. And other odds of end, odds and ends of use to command those. Then called a 36-strong guard to escort this young person to the forest of the outskirts of the wizard Anselm's dents. The guard... So should we write down that we have the sandwiches and fruit and stuff i guess that's the question i am writing these down okay yeah. okay the guard carried out their duties as ordered escorting the young person into the forest and leaving rather promptly on account of the magical atmosphere that surrounded anything to do with anselm it was only when they returned that everyone realized they had forgotten to ask the young person's name the oversight caused much general annoyance as percival remarked they would have nothing to put on the tombstone well, well, One well. Second, as I write down the lunchbox, uh, standard issue backpack with ropes. I will say it looks like it is about to get choosy. <laughs> to put it and to climbing spikes. Yeah. To put it clearly, I think uh, we have exited the introduction and have entered the meat. <laughs> Excellent. As this chapter is called The Adventure. <laughs> well, here you are, Pip, in the dark, dank forest that lies on the approach to the dark castle of the wizard Anselm. What an adventure, eh? What a jolly jape. What a lighthearted frolic. Well, perhaps not. Let's see what you've got inside your backpack. That might cheer you up. Now let's see. Oh, boy. Here you go. It actually says what is here. A coil of stout rope 15 meters long, which is useful. A dozen climbing spikes could come in handy. Six good torches, their ends well dipped in pitch. A lantern and three, no, four flasks of oil and a tinderbox to help you light them. A lunchbox with bully beef sandwiches and two apples, some sheets of parchment, quill and ink for mapping. And look, a dagger for you to hide in your boots that will give you plus damage if you man plus two damage if you manage to stab somebody with it. Some salve for your wounds, restores three light points immediately with enough for five separate applications. Wait, what? Oh, that's in addition to our potions? Mm -hmm. Dang. 
some garlic to give your sandwiches a bit of bite, a mirror made from polished metal, a hammer, some nails, and a saw. There's also a lodestone in a little pocket in the side that you can use as a compass if you're stuck. Just mark one end and hang it from a piece of twine. Let's see, There's still some twine in there if you look. It'll spin a bit, but end up pointing north slash south. Useful enough, that, that lot. It's a nasty forest, very gloomy, and the paths are all overgrown. Look at the way those trees are all twisted and gnarled, branches like old wizened hands reaching out at you. Notice you do not hear any birds singing, not a single one. Never mind, you've a choice of paths. Both look equally as unpleasant, and both look like they might be going to the Wizard Anselm's Dark Castle. Isn't that annoying? Okay, Pip, which one is it? The right-hand path or the left-hand path? So, <clears throat> that really, it really does sound like it's choose uh i don't know 20 page 20 left hand path let's do it let's it's, that's a big jump compared to what we've been doing the path gets narrower and more and more overgrown and eventually you find that you're actually having to push your way through the undergrowth then suddenly and without warning you're in a clearing in the middle of the clearing is the ruin of an old stone building a ruined abbey perhaps with ivy clinging to the walls since there doesn't seem to be any immediate way out of the clearing, it may be no bad idea to explore the ruin, even if it is haunted, which, of course, it isn't. Nobody believes in ghosts nowadays, except it isn't nowadays, is it? It's back in the days of King Arthur. Oh, dear. As you are a brave soul, you explore the <laughs> explore anyways, despite the ghosts. As you enter the ruin, you feel a sudden chill. It seems darker, even than a gloomy forest. There's small scuffing sounds in the crumbling walls. Stop! Hold! Cease! Not one step further. What? A man's voice and out of the gloom steps. Or rather, clanks. A massive figure in jet black armor. Halt, I say! He says, even though you have certainly halted. Who are you? What are you doing here? Step up and answer before I slit your gizzard. Could this be the notorious Black Knight your adopted father, Freeman John, used to speak about in his whispers by the fireside of an evening? If it is, he's the most evil, fearsome opponent in the realm. Next to the wizard Anselm, of course. If you feel like fighting him, turn to page 17. If you don't, and who, well, can, and who could blame you, speak to him politely and turn to page 25. I, I don't know if we need to make enemies just yet. Yeah. We also don't even know if he is the Black Knight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Notably. All right, 20, shoot, that was 25. 25. Mm-hmm. What's that? Asks the Black Knight. Okay, well. Tip, Tip you, you say. Oh, God, well, dang it. Pip, it's all good. It's no place for a young person to be wandering. You get lost very easily. Don't tell me. I've been lost for weeks. At which he removes his helmet to reveal a florid but otherwise friendly face. King Bellinor at your service. He says. Well, not exactly at your service since I've got work to do, but... Nice to have met you all the same. Then he takes his leave of you, mounting a sag-backed sag ho old horse tethered at the back of the ruins and riding off to disappear into the depths of the forest. The silly old fool. If you search carefully, you will find a path out of the clearing which will eventually take you to page 22. We could have got experience for murdering that nice man. <laughs> You're right. Get back here! Shoot. On this path, you eventually notice a junction on your right, which joins up with the path described in 10. 
If you have already been that way, you will presumably ignore it. If not, you are free to take that route if you please. Assuming you continue on the main path, you will travel for nearly half a mile before reaching a leafy screen. Break through that, and you can, if you can believe it, you're in sight of... The Wizard Anselm's Dark Castle! Turn quickly to 19. So, it does sound like it is letting us choose... Mm, we have the possibility of taking the alternate path as well. Yeah. I mean, that could uh, that could expend our resources. Wait, describe or it could give us more. Ten. Yes. Have we been? I mean, we technically we didn't go. Well, I mean, yeah, we didn't go that way. So we have the freedom to take that route, right? Yeah. Do you wanna? Uh, yeah. Let's do it. Well, because here's the thing. It says if. Left-hand path turned to 20, right-hand path turned to 9. So we... Yeah. We never technically... We didn't take any of the paths that would have taken us to 10. Yeah, we never took... Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So turning to page 9, then? Giving it a crack? Uh, 10, I believe. Is it not? I guess. I'm just confused by that, because it says if you pick the right-hand path, that's the only other path we've given a, been given a choice for, would be going to page 9. If you pick the right hand path. I think the the I think page nine eventually leads towards page ten is why it's Yeah. I guess that's just the reason I'm thinking that is just because it doesn't look like it does. Because <laughs> I can see it. It's right here. <laughs> but alas, I'm down to go for ten. Cause that that sounds right. That sounds I think that it's just a f weird phrased way of saying that going back to that path this time would take us to page ten. If that yes. makes sense. I think I think that it's a different we get a different option if we view that path the first time or going back to it, I think is kind of mm -hmm. it's a level of uh precedence and choice I was not I was not ready for. That's two versions on the same path. This path is fairly open, fairly easy going for several hundred meters. Eventually it begins to swing left until up ahead you can see it joins another path. Unfortunately, between you and the intersection, there is a wild boar. The bad-tempered beast has seen you, and it's charging. No choice here, Pip. You fight it or you get killed. The boar has 25 life points and does plus 4 damage if it gets its tusks in you. Roll dice to see who gets the first blow. Oh, my lord. All right. The well, boar gets a 5, and we get a 3. Boar well, goes first. And it rolls a 4, which is a miss. So we also have the Hell armor. Yeah, the armor subtracts plus or subtracts five from our hits, right? Or uh, four or five? Which one was it? I believe it's four. Okay. I don't see five now. Okay. <laughs> okay. It so, just completely negates the effect of the tusks. Yes. We roll a six, which is greater than the limit four we needed to roll because we're using the sword. So, so we, do. we do four damage, right? Wait. Two six. plus. Uh, don't we roll? We had five, don't we? Oh yeah. So we do seven damage. Seven damage to the boar. But I guess now knowing, yeah, now yeah. knowing it's 25 life points and knowing that they still effectively roll this. It's, we got equipment, but they do damage to us the same way that uh, old mean Jake would. So knowing that does mm -hmm. help. All right. Boar rolls a five, which is a nothing. No damage to us. Hell yeah. We also roll a five, which is damage for us. Uh, for six total damage to the enemy, I believe. Taking them down to 12 now. Okay. It's a uh, uh, 10. <laughs> so it's four damage. Uh, 
Yeah, so it would have been four plus four, but we negate four, yes. so it's just four damage to us. That's fine. I take four damage for breakfast, and I am looking for tips and help on how to not. Well, I'm afraid we're not going to be able to tell you anything with this strike of uh, Excalibur Jr., which rolls a nine. Ooh. So that's five above the limit as well as Eight. five, so we do ten. Wait. Oh, plus wait. five. Wait. Oh, the limit is the, the limit got lowered too. Gosh, it's crazy. We did one fight with normal variables. Not even because that was like with the eight. We have not done a fight with normal variables, so it's I got twisted mm -hmm. already. So yeah, limit down to is currently down to what four or three? Uh, the enemy's HP. Sorry, the limit for what we need to roll to do. Oh, damage. four. Okay. All right. Good deal. Uh, seven. So that is going to be one damage. Mm -hmm. That's fine. That's fine. I take one damage for breakfast. Six. We do enough damage to take out the bull. Ba -ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Second point of experience. Is it killed or knocked out? Does that matter? Uh, That's a good question. They had two health after the last attack. So they, if they did no damage to us last round, then they would be unconscious. Let's, you know what, let's maybe say the boar's unconscious then for for flavor. If you kill, well, because I, is there a, because I don't think that there's even, I don't think it matters. There's yeah, only one option. have text we, for if they're unconscious. So, but, like, but I'm saying we didn't murder this yep. animal. We knocked it out. If you knocked out the boar, go on to the intersection. This joins your path to the path leading to 22. Okay. You eventually notice a junction, describe the 10. Okay, so then we can now turn quickly to page 19. This is it, Pip. This is where the trouble really starts. This is the Wizard Anselm's Dark Castle. Just look at it. Looming up there in the midst of some, like, some huge sodden tombstone. Seven towers. Count them. And not one under 20 meters in height. Great dank stone walls, dripping slime, and still... Dark moat that's probably full of the most loathsome creatures you have ever could imagined. Did you ever see such an evil-looking place? Fair sets your teeth. Fair sets your teeth on edge to think about the lovely Queen Guinevere languishing in some deep dungeon inside. The drawbridge da is down, Pip, and the portcullis is raised. Not a garden site, they say, and the wizard Anselm doesn't need them. Nobody in the right mind would even risk entering the castle without an invitation, so if he leaves the drawbridge down and the portcullis is open... Come into my parlor, said the spider. There are monsters in there, Pip, and traps and tricks of all manners of evil magic, so they say, but the queen is in there too, so there's nothing else for it but to put a brave face on, keep old EJ handy, and put the best foot forward. Just a couple of points before you start, Pip. The castle lies directly in front of you, to the north. From now on, all of your directions will be given as north, south, east, or west, which is handy for which drawing Which is handy for... Yeah, sorry. I guess I, for some Sorry. reason I was like, this is rules and just, yeah. Which is handy for drawing a map. And you'll certainly need a map, especially if you're killed and have to go back again. Directly ahead of you. I know. Is a hundred meters wide area of barren, stony scrubland, then the moat, drawbridge, and ghastly castle. Off you go, Pip. Onwards towards 23 and good luck. So did you, are you, are you attempting to draw this already? Uh, I don't believe I have anything yet to draw. I mean, I guess the the castle is ahead of us. Yeah. <laughs> just, just, just draw the whole owl. Onwards to 23 and good luck. 
Having crossed the drawbridge and entered the enclosed archway tunnel, which leads to an open portcullis, you have a choice of making a dash for the portcullis before it closes, or creeping along carefully and slowly examining everything as you go. If you make a dash for it, turn to 30. If you creep along slowly and carefully, turn to 13. Hmm. I do fear us, like, getting portcullied. Portcullied, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. Let's, uh, let's creep along slowly and carefully. Be a little observant of our surroundings. Yeah. Oh, you want to be careful, you idiot. Sorry, wrong book. Um, <laughs> you notice a series of holes in the tunnel above your head, and by keeping close to the walls, manage to avoid the boiling oil that suddenly pours through them. Gotcha. So I think we avoided damage. You reach the portcullis in one piece and thus gain entry on 32. You've entered a vast open courtyard, its unflagged floor composed of seven beats of seven <laughs> of beaten earth. Fifty meters north are closed wooden double doors set into the far wall of the courtyard. Over by the eastern wall are two carts, six crates, and about a dozen wooden barrels. Stone steps on the western wall lead upwards to the battlements and towers. There's about a hundred chickens scratching about in the courtyard. If you run towards the wall with the double doors, turn to page 15. If you move east to examine the carts and barrels, turn to 18. If you move west to climb the steps, 29. If you stop to have a little chat with the chickens, 27. Ooh. <laughs> you got me. Mm-hmm. So I we mean, need to be talking to those chickens. I mean, we're, it's like, stick to what you know sometimes, right? Like... We mm -hmm. are, of all these things, we are that. most experienced in talking to chickens, I can imagine. Uh, 27. Okay. Dumb move, Pip. These are savage chickens. The wizard Anselm breeds them as courtyard guards. I thought he didn't need them. You have chickens for guards? The savage chickens fling themselves on you. Savagely. And though each peck only does one life point of damage, there's so many of them that they could easily kill you. Roll two dice to find out what happens. Um, okay, uh, we rolled a nine. Okay, score a seven through a ten, and you escape with half of your current life points, and then go back to 32 to reconsider your options. All right, we're on 13 HP now. That sucks. <laughs> it does. We'll get more health later. All right, do we run to the double doors, move east, move west, or stop to have a little chat with the chickens again? Oh, I mean, that could go better. That could have gone better. Check out the I will say one through four killed us. <laughs> if you roll uh, one to a four, they literally just kill you. It, it's one to six. That oh, that. oh, shoot. It's even what? larger. That's wow. Okay. Uh, well, uh, I mean, I, I would any, like, like to check out this barrel and these uh, these carts yeah. and barrels. Yes. On page 18. Page 18. Smart. The carts are in pretty broken-down condition and more or less unusable. Two of the crates contain old sacks, one is full of rotten apples, and the rest are empty. Three of the barrels contain the cider, the rest of the wine. If you drink any cider, turn to 12. If you drink any wine, turn to 16. If you leave this load of old rubbish and go to the double doors on the north wall, turn to 33. West of the battlements, 29. Oh, we can't talk to the chickens anymore. Mm. I mean, we're hurting, and I wonder if one of these is helpful. Yeah, I think cider could be. I mean, is the cider more likely to have, like, gone bad? <laughs> the apples are rotten. I almost feel like the cider is less likely to go bad than the wine. Great. But that's based on, uh, nothing. <laughs> okay. 
Uh, do you want to drink one of them? Let's go. Let's go wine then. Uh, I'm happy with either one. <laughs> the wine tastes funny. This is because it's poisoned. <laughs> All right. Roll two <laughs> dice to see how it affects you. Score one through six, and you die. Go to page 14. Or, sorry, you writhe in agony before dropping stone and go to 14. It seems like something might actually happen over there. Score 7 through 12, and you're sick, losing half your current life points. All right, let's go to 14. We rolled four. Oh, boy. You're dead. Dead as a coffin nail, finished, done for. The late Pip, draw a thick black border around this section for future reference. You may be back here again before you're much older. Most people get deaded sooner or later. The first few times they try and get through this adventure. Don't get too depressed about it. What you have to do now is go back to the beginning of the forest where the King's Guard left you and try again. You'll rescue the Queen sooner or later. What's more, you can safely ignore the monsters and villains that you have killed the first time around. Since these will only be harmless ghosts and illusions when you go in again. So when you go back, you'll need to roll up your life points again. No good trying to return to your adventure with no life points. So roll them up exactly as you did the first time. And here's a tip. Draw a map as you go along, especially the map of the wizard Anselm's Dark Castle, as it will help you find your way around better the second time. Make a note on the map of what you've encountered second time around. A map is a good, as good as an extra sword or even an extra fireball. Now, go, now back you go to the beginning of the forest, Pip. With luck, you won't be seen around here again. So, if we did that, that's interesting, because then theoretically, couldn't we just zoop? Could we take the exact same path and ignore all of the enemies, because the enemies are illusions and ghosts in this instance, in which case we have two experience, and we're on a randomized HP value in the same area? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Effectively, yeah. we just get to choose whether or not we want to try and take the right-hand path instead, or if we want to commit to the exact same path and be back here and try the cider which is poisoned. I'd like to try the cider which is poisoned instead. Sick. Now, our HP value is... Ooh, that's a good one. We've rolled a 9 as one of our values, and we rolled a 9 again, so that's going to be a total of 36 for our HP as our starting point. Huh. Nothing will have modified it by the time we get to this, because the enemies are harmless illusions and nothing else has dealt direct damage to us. Yeah, that seems so... I'm just so confused, though. <clears throat> huh. Why would we not... I don't know. I'm trying to think Why of... would you not want to just constantly die? Yes. <laughs> uh, it seems like uh, there is some counter for having died. It says, draw a thick black border around this when you... Return here. Hmm. Gotcha. But it also seems like dying in this book is expected and expected to be a thing you occasionally encounter. So I think for the sake of the podcast, effectively, the way that we ought to navigate this is have effectively, quote unquote, like save states. Not that we have to like manually do yeah. them or anything like that, but recognize this is a point where we could have gotten here by doing this series of actions that we do not need to automate. That's just how we got here. Yeah, because that's the thing. It's like, what if we want to visit the castle again and dr drink the wine, why would we ever not just do... We would theoretically literally just read every single page that we just read again. That's just, what, why mm. would we do that? So, yeah. I do want to... Unnecessary. I do want to drink the cider and see if it's Let's bad. do it. Good cider. Don't take too much or you'll get drunk. Go to 32 when you finish and decide what you want to do now. 
Oh, wait. Is that... Good cider. <laughs> it just doesn't do it. It's just good cider. That's it's just it. good cider. Do we want to move west to climb the steps of the battlements or north to the double doors in the north wall? I do wonder... I mean, now it feels like anything that's not the critical path seems like a slap in the face, but... Some of them will be, just so that we don't every yeah. single time go to, you find the cider of body enhancement, it makes you big. Yeah. I feel like I, because I want to know if there's something, some kind of like good equipment, especially if we can keep the equipment from book to book, there, what if there's good equipment at the battlements? You know? That's true. I'm keen. Let's do it. You Go to the battlements. <laughs> you climb to the stone steps <gasps> of the battlements and good grief, the battlements and towers are guarded by a horde of archer insects these horrifying creatures are nearly two meters tall each one looks like looking for all the world like a giant praying mantis each one armed with a bow and a quiver of 20 arrows there's hundreds of them skulking up here so no chance to fight so many roll two dice to find out if you can make it safely back down the steps to the yard score a one through four and you are killed instantly by 750 arrows <laughs> Uh, we rolled a uh, seven, which puts us in the realm of a five to an eight. We are wounded by three arrows for a total damage of 10 life points, but make it back to the yard. All right. All right time for the double doors, I guess. Uh, let's go to the double doors. So first option, best option. I will say always in my mind, I'm like, the first option can't be right. Exactly. We did get to have some good cider. Had absolutely that's no in-game benefits or that's true. <laughs> impact. But we had it. And it's ours. Okay. As you reach the center of the courtyard, you fall down a secret trap door, well hidden and covered with compressed earth. Go to 36. You're in a gloomy stone-flagged corridor, three meters wide, three meters high, with rough stone walls dripping slightly with dampness and covered in mildew. If you fell in through the trap door, deduct five life points. There are easier ways of getting here. Wait, what? Didn't we? We fell through the trap door, didn't we? Mm-hmm. How, how is there another way of getting here? How? Wait, what? I think it's possible that... Uh, I don't know. It's, I think it's possible I have no clue. Uh, the only alternative I can even think of is taking the other path at the very start, the right-hand path. Oh, maybe. You, yeah, yeah, that could be. Behind you is an iron-rung ladder to the trap door in the courtyard above, and behind that is a solid stone wall. Before you, running northeast is a distance of 20 meters. Is the unlit corridor? I, I will say we do have to keep in mind then if we're running the same path to deduct five health points every mm -hmm. time if we die. So like maybe having a running total of the bad things that have to happen to us or the rolls we have to make to do the critical path. As of right now, a guaranteed minus five health is the only thing we have to take as far as I'm aware, mm -hmm. right? Okay. Uh, better get your torch lit, Pip, or your lantern. When you do, when you do so, you'll see a dim, you'll see so dimly that the corridor seems to open up to some sort of cave mouth at the far end. If you plan to follow the corridor, and honestly, what else can you do? Go to page 53. So should we mark off that we used a torch or something or like a thing to light the torch? Yeah, I think so. I think so too. Uh, let's use a torch. I'm so confused. All right, 53. <laughs> You've fallen down a pit trap. It was 10 meters along the corridor. A wait. It was 10 meters along the corridor, a flagstone that swiveled, dumping you into the black depths five meters below. There are poison spikes set in the bottom of the pit trap. 
Roll dice to see if you miss being skewered on the spikes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> what do we get, Raz? All right. Uh, da, 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 da. Come on now. Three. Is it good? It's really good, isn't it? If you score a one, two, or three, and you were skewered, the poison will kill you in five seconds. Wait five seconds, and then go to page 14. <laughs> one, two, three, four. So we know there's an alternate way to get down here, and we know that we have to have had the ability to access it by that point. Do we want to try and do the other path uh, in the forest to see if it gets us a, a different secret entrance? I would say... Could, or do we want to commit the, the same path right and here. get back here? If this, I want to note this right here. If this is your second time around and you are working from the map, it would be obvious to you that you would manage to avoid this trap, in which case go to page 40 uninjured. Ah. So okay. there is actually so can... a workaround for that. So we can roll up random health, subtract five. Mark down that we have died twice because like, I think that that's mm -hmm. going to be how we have to do it. It's like how many, I think that's what we have to do is a running tally of how many deaths each book takes. Is probably the only mm -hmm. way we can really do it. Also, I wonder what what equates as a puzzle. Like, it probably doesn't equate as a puzzle for us to work around this. I think it'll be obvious. I hope. I think it'll be obvious as well. We're gonna have uh, eight by four, thirty-two health again. Minus five, and we'll lose five, so we're down at twenty-seven, and we are here for the second time with a map. We've mapped out. Th there's a trap here. Let's not yeah. fall into it. The corridor slopes downwards quite sharply for most of its length and widens abruptly into what seems like a natural cave. Although far too irregular to map properly, the cave dimensions are roughly 12 meters north and south by 15 meters east and west. There is a wide opening in the southeastern wall leading into a further cave. The floor of this first cave is littered with dried bones. Several of them look suspiciously like human bones. If you want, search this cave in the hope of finding something useful. Go to page 51, or if you prefer not to waste time, 54. I mean... They've got to give us loot for looting one of these days. I feel like we've been slapped on the wrist so many times for exploring that one of these times the exploring has to be right. Page 51? Exactly. You wait until your eyes become accustomed to the gloom inside, then make out the bent figure of a wise and old man seated on a wooden stool at a rickety pine table, eating what appears to be a loaf of stale bread and moldy cheese. As you enter, he jumps up in alarm. None hate me! I've only them poor old watchmen! He whines. Take all I have, but none eat me! Take my crust of bread, take my bite of cheese! Only none eat me! When you naturally reassure him that you have no intention of hitting him, the old maggot promptly tries to stab you sneakily with a dagger which he concealed up his sleeve. Just shows that you can trust nobody around here. Roll a dice to see if he manages to get you with the dagger. If so, it does plus two damage with another life point automatically lost in the next section on account of blood poisoning. <laughs> now, it might be wise to use EJ to slice him right in the into stock cubes. He has 25 life points and will fight back like a demon. So he immediately does uh, six damage to us. He rolled a nine. So, oh, wait, hang on. Uh, four of that is going to be uh, deducted. So he rolled a nine, which is three higher than six. 
So he does three damage. He does plus two damage because of the dagger. He does plus one because of the blood poisoning. And then four is removed from that because of our armor. So we take two. Yes. I think. I, I, I will say, I feel like the poison is trying to say... I think the way that I'm understanding this poison is that that's one damage that will happen to us no matter what, even if it's blocked. So if we were to fight him and we block every attack, but... I, I think I think it's just like one true damage, more or less. Is I'm not certain because it says, uh, see if he manages to get you with the dagger. If so, it does plus two damage with another life point addition uh, automatically lost. I think it's just that we have like a poison. So we're taking one damage per round anytime he struck us. I guess that's, yeah, I guess. Maybe. Regardless. Regardless. We gotta fight him. Do, are, uh, do you want to kill him? He attacked first. Oh, we so have to fight our him. Turn. Wait. We have to. Yeah, wait. Now it might be wise to use EJ to slice him into sock cues. Weird. Huh. Uh, so we roll a six, which is two higher than our four to attack. And we also get a plus five using a weapon. So we get seven damage on the enemy, taking them down to 18. He rolls a five, which is a nothing for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not telling us anything additional about uh, blood poisoning yet, so I'm just going to roll again for damage against the enemy. We roll a nine, which is five higher than our base, and with an additional plus five, we do another ten damage to oh the enemy. Oh my lord. Oh, he crit. <laughs> he crit. He got a 12. Oh, he, he crit. He got he a 12. 12. He crit. He got a 12. Uh, so he'll do six plus two and another one. So nine, but Minus four of that's reduced. So he does five to us. So 20. Uh, that's uh... Now, what's the enemy's HP on? Oh, shoot. I wasn't marking that down. Oh, I... Uh, what did he take to the first hit? We, we rolled a six, so he took seven damage to the first hit. He's taken 17 damage. He has eight health left. Correct. Kill him. Kill him. Snake eyes, buddy. Oh, man. Should we use our spell to Double fire one. We could always, like, fire blast this old man as well. That is true. We that is the, true. We have ten little spells, two big spells, which I'm not saying we use the big spells for sure. Mm-hmm. But. I, 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 think, I, think we can, I, I think we can just hit this man. All right. He rolled a four anyway, so we good. We good. Wise Dude. choice, wise choice, wise choice. Good job, good job, good job. We rolled an eight, so we yep. do seven damage, annoyingly. Wait. No, it's above our value of four. Whoops. So we do four, nine total. We take him out. Yeah. Well, plus at five, he technically gets knocked out anyways, so. Mm-hmm. If you kill the old watchman, return to 155. Return to 155. Have you been to 155? Nope. Not that I'm aware of. Never okay. been this deep down in the book. Well, there's one consolation. The old fool was carrying 70 gold pieces, presumably stolen from adventures he managed to kill with that dagger. You hold on to them. They may come in handy for a bribery at some stage if you can get a hold of a few more. Now go to 33 to decide what to do next. Did you mark down experience, by the way? Yep. Good deal. The double doors are closed but not locked. You step through to find yourself in a second courtyard, stone flagged this time without chickens. Thank God. On the eastern wall this time is a flight of stone steps up to the battlements and towers. About 30 meters in front of you is a whipping post with a manacled skeleton hanging from it. The total area of the entire courtyard is about 80 square meters. Along the north wall of the courtyard is a row of four three-meter-high stone buildings, each with a closed wooden door. 
Near the west wall is a three meter square wooden building, the door of which is closed and barred with a large iron bolt. By the east wall is another building of stone, six by three meters, with its door slightly ajar. Oh my lord. If you climb down the steps and investigate the battlements, 29, but return to the present section, 33, when you finish, unless you're killed, then go to 14. Uh, if you decide to take a closer look at the skeleton, 24, the row of buildings, 26, Barred building, 28. Half-open door, 50. We got so many things here. Mm-hmm. I've managed to draw the map. Well, congratulations. I, it does not uh, fill you with a lot of confidence to say, go to 29, go to 33 when you're done, unless you're killed on this page. And yet, <laughs> that makes me wonder if it's a double trick. Like, uh, ah, they mm. won't want to go to this page because I'm telling them that it could kill them. I mean, frankly, I think we do want to go to the battlements. Yeah, surely, right? Yeah, we, we tried the battlements before and we got killed with 750 arrows. Sorry, three arrows, actually, only in that instance. But uh, like, how many arrows do they have here? Yeah, surely it can't be the same level of stupid. Oh, it's literally the same! It's the 29. It's the Frank Wait, Dances. wait okay. is it? Oh. Yeah, it's the exact same would, page wait, as oh. the one we've seen before. What it's the, the same. It's just the battlements in general are the same. It's just the ability to get there. I don't want to go then. I, I never even... Uh, I, neither. I, I recognized that that was the same. Oh. I didn't go back anyways. So, basically. All right. So, we have closer look at the skeleton on 24. Row buildings, 26. Barred building, 28. Half open door, 50. Mm. I think we're on an investigation quest. I think we need to know more about these. Yeah. So Just in general. 26 or 28 are both invest... Well, actually, this is all investigate. Everything is investigate. What do you want to investigate the most? Let's investigate the royal buildings near the north wall. There's three of them up there, and they're all stone buildings. Okay. 26. The smell tells you that the moment you open the door, that tells you that the moment you open the door, that these are stables. Not very well cared for by the look of them, full of rotting straw and manure, but otherwise empty. If you don't want to waste your time here, go to 33. If you want to risk making it through a search, go to 41. Ooh. I mean, I'd hate to learn later that there yes. was something that we really wanted in this thorough search, so. That's true. So 41. I guess the way I'm thinking of it is like we're like a a, a breadth first traversal. We're trying to find out as much information as possible, which we then track down in our map and such, and then do a depth traversal where we exclusively just try and go the path that works. Yeah, I think that's the case. A thorough search of the Sorry, stables. Which... 41. Where is the thorough search? 41, thank you. Thorough search of the stables will reveal a scrap of filthy parchment on which there is a sketch map of the first courtyard showing a secret mm. trap door between the portcullis and the doors to this courtyard. Open the trap door, lower yourself down, and you can go direct to 36. Does that skip us through anything? Or is that the same? Is that the place we've already been? 53? Yeah, so yeah. 53 is the pit trap, and if we're working from a map, we get to go to 40. Okay, 
so we've already done that then. So we don't want to do that on 54. Because why would we? Because we would already oh, know. Oh, bud, bud. What's up? Uh, we didn't encounter the Watchmen. Uh, when we were searching after the pitfall, uh, we went to 51, not 50. Or rather the inverse of that. We went to 50 rather than 51. We went to 50, not 51. Hmm. Whereas 51 uh, just says, nothing, nothing here. What do you expect amongst a load of dried old bones? I was wondering where this watchman came from. Huh. So we're still downstairs. Okay. I'm. Where do we go? What page? Uh. Okay. So we go oh. from, uh, after we've gone past the pit trap, we go into a room that we search. We search that room and we find nothing except for a load of old dried bones. And we now have to go to 54. Gotcha. Oop. To, to, okay. be, to explain the way that the pages work is the pages are a collection of pages. There's like little sections on each page. So, and it's very easy to just go to the wrong one, even though you're on the right page. So 51, nothing here. So that's, that's the search from before. So go to page 54. Gotcha. This second cave is rather larger than the first. Again, accurate mapping is impossible, but approximate size is 20 meters north and south by 15 meters east and west. There's an exit to the eastern side of the north wall. In the middle of the cave floor is what appears to be a compost heap. If you want to search the compost heap for anything useful, go to page 35. If you decide to press on through the exit, go to 48. Oh, let's get these hands dirty. And I mean that literally. Poop dig? Let's go poop dig. Okay, 35. Let's dig poop. Dig poop. It's not a compost heap. It's something big and nasty and alive. And it didn't like the way you poked it, Pip. This vegetable... But certainly not a vegetarian. Monster is rising up to a height of over two meters and attacking. What's more, since you were poking around and searching for heaven knows what, it has the first strike against you. It has 35 life points, does an additional four points of damage every time it lands a blow on account of its great strength. And since it's so big, it only needs to throw a five or better to hit you. No fun at all. Get those dice rolling, Pip, and see what happens. All right. Do you want to roll for the monster first? I, I Seven. So it needs a seven, five so or that's better. two above their value, two. and they do four additional. So six, six minus four, two. reduced by our armor. Cool. We take two. Hey, it's the same damage the uh, Watchman did on his first attack. Let's go. <laughs> I'll keep track of the monster's health this time. Okay. Go ahead, you roll. Hit me, punk. Mm -hmm. uh, we roll a six which is two higher than our hit value of four and with a plus five sword. So we do seven damage back to the enemy, taking them down to 28. Okay. Monster does a seven, which is, wait, same thing, right? Two plus four, six down to two. Yes. <laughs> Another two. That armored, thank God. Imagine doing this without it. Mm -hmm. Not that you could. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, oh, a, it's a value of four. Great. So I think we do... Do we do no damage on a four? We have to be higher than this. I was under the impression we had to be higher. Or... It only needs to throw a five or better to hit you. Just going to very quickly check. Oh! I think that, yeah, if you roll the if you roll the number, I think you get to add the weapon. I think it's just like, do the weapon damage. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, you only need to roll a four or better to hit somebody. And when you do hit, you can add five additional damage to any damage cost. Okay. So yeah, we'll just do five damage do by five base results yeah, of that. Yeah, that works. Okay. All right. Enemies on 23. 
my god nine nine so four plus four is four it's four i don't know why i'm doing math it's just four plus we can just it's, i'm doing three instances of math when i just need to do one mm -hmm. so how much are we taking that four hell yeah down to 19 hp we strike the enemy for six, which is going to be two above our value and plus five for another seven damage to the enemy, taking him down to 16. Oh boy. Come on. He's got to miss once. It's true. He did five, which for all accounts is not get Oh, wait, wait, wait. Yeah, exactly. Because five that, does mean he would hit us for four damage, us, but, but we, we block, block four damage yes. with our armor. Correct. Yeah. Yes. So he hits us, but I kind of. I think for the sake of interest in combat, I'm going to start describing the actual attacks as, as I'm doing them. Uh, so Pip is going to uh, run back to the wall on the other side and kick off of it, trying to dive in and skewer this uh, garbage monster, this, this compost heap, this trash dude. Oh, and we crit as a result. 12, baby. What, uh, that's no, eight it. above our base value. Plus five, 13 damage done to the enemy. They have three HP left. He's they are dead. now unconscious. Yep. Uh, you kill the monster. Go to page 39. How much health do we have? We styled on him so hard that he died. We have 19 health left. And what's our max? 32 this time? Uh, 32. So we're missing 13 points. Is there a world in which we... No. I mean, pop a pop a healing pot, little charge, little, little podion, or something. I mean, surely if we die and we will die again, we'll just come back with another podion to use, right? Like it, it refreshes that. When do we get the? When do we get that equipment? We get that equipment. We get before, that equipment before we? we go into the forest. Yeah. So, so guess... if we, when we're dead, we're sent back to the forest in order to restart. I'm assuming we restart with all of our equipment from the successful life so far, right? I would imagine that that's what I would think. I mean, it seems like it's going for a very generous approach in that route. So I guess I would assume like just you just go through the path and don't have to fight anything. Don't have to lose any health. No, none of that feels like mm -hmm. you'd basically you'd have the same equipment, too, unless that would be the that's the lost case. That could be the case where that's just like that is where you run out entirely of equipment. Yeah, I I can't imagine they would brick us like that. Is the yeah. thing I think it's literally just like it's very difficult to get anywhere, and you have to start using them to get past. Yeah, just with that in mind, I think we yeah I think we should not be stingy with it. I don't we I don't want to necessarily use it right now. Yeah, but, you're right. But we shouldn't be stingy with it just because like if we get to the end of the book and like we could carry all of our equipment to the next book. I don't I don't want to be too overpowered. Surely that's true. But uh, okay, so what what page are we on? Thirty uh, nine. Uh, we have taken out the enemy on 39, yes. As this shambling brute sinks down, bleeding chlorophyll from every wound, something catches your eye on the floor. Half hidden by the massive body, on closer inspection, you discover it's a leather purse. You open it carefully, and inside you find ten, yes, ten, solid gold pieces. Not exactly Queen's Ransom, but enough to buy a whole heap more chickens for your adopted mother with cash left over for a lot of other necessities about the farm. Alternatively, you could spend it all on sweets. Pop the gold in your backpack, Pip. You're entitled to keep any booty you find in this place. Just don't forget that you can't take it with you if you're killed. Ah, interesting. Should you find yourself back 
at the dreaded 14. There will be no gold or anything else that you may have collected in your backpack. And booty once collected won't be there the second time around either. Still, you have it for now. And with luck, you may survive. Leave the cave by going directly to 37. Okay. So I, any new stuff we get, we do not get to keep. It does not say mm-hmm. much about the stuff we started with. I would imagine it's yeah, no. I would imagine that's fine. And then the so we now do know the penalty for death. It is we don't get to keep whatever gold or whatever from the that death, which that seems like it could be a big big deal and is one hundred percent a real penalty for death. And I now feel Absolutely. like I can rest easy knowing there is a penalty for death. All right. The cave exit leads into a corridor running north. Only six meters before turning sharply west and running west for 25 meters before ending in a stout wooden door. The corridor is empty and there are no traps, so what do you do when you reach the door, Pip? Knock politely and wait for an answer. Run at the door with your head and attempt to break it down or try turning the heavy iron handle on 45. I mean, I feel like I was trying turn the handle personally uh yeah let's try the handle i do feel Indie like players seldom do exactly i feel like running head first will be a damage roll check Mm-hmm. so 45 would you believe the door swings slowly open that being what handles are for obviously yeah you are looking into a six meter east and west by 15 meter west. north and yeah. south chamber uh, there is a door set in the northernmost two meters of each of the east wall. This room is actually lighted by torches set in iron brackets around the walls. There is, however, no sign of anyone in here. A flight of stone steps leans upward into a small door high in the north wall. There's a second door, round level, set to the southern end of the west wall. If you decide to climb the stone stairway to the high door, 55, if you prefer to try the door on the west wall, go to 44. Have you been doing a map of this? Yep. Is the West Wall, does it lead us to somewhere new, or does it seem like it's going to lead us back towards somewhere we've been? Uh, the West Wall should lead us to somewhere new. Okay. Um, hmm. I feel like... Do we have anything? Stone, stone staircase. Five stone steps leading up towards a small door on the North Wall, the second door. I want to go up. Yeah. I so want sure, go up. a flight of stone steps that lead up to the small door high in the north wall. I won't go up higher, higher. Uppies. <laughs> uh, you climb the stone stairway. At least you climb the first five steps. The remaining steps, like the door, are unfortunately an illusion created by the wizard Anselm. You discover this by the simple process of falling through them once you reach step six. You plunge downwards into a sudden darkness, and even your own torch goes out abruptly as you strike the bottom somewhere below the level of the first of the floor of the room you have just left. As you lie winded in the darkness, roll one die to find out how many life points life points you lost in the fall. If it kills you, go to fourteen, and then go to forty-six. We took three, and we're down to sixteen life. I feel like I don't just knowing that. Knowing that that one trap did 20 damage has me afraid of the 20 health threshold. Mm-hmm. Are you in a sim of a similar mind? I am. I certainly am. Would you like to use a potion or one of those rations or something? 
I think we should, but I think we should have a new state of things as we are currently falling. That's true, 46. You're right. It said we could use it whenever as long as we're not in combat, so I guess I took that literally. If you use your rope and spikes to climb out of this black pit, go to 45. If you decide to relight your torch and explore the pit, go to 43. Hmm. I mean, one of them doesn't require using additional resources. Let's explore this pit. Also, we've been to 45. That's the... Huh. Anyways. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Literally, yeah. We literally, we literally... It's just the floor we just came from. That's literally just where we came from, yeah. So, I'm down to try and get new info by exploring. Let's do it. 43. It takes a little while to get your torch lit again. Torches are never easy, especially in an emergency. And when you do get it to... Get it lit, you discover something very disturbing. You are not alone in the pits. Crawling oh crawling oh towards you through the rough stone floor, no more than two or three meters away, is a giant spider. Oh wait. Never mind. This great hairy monster is the size of a Great Dane, a big Great Dane. Swiftly, you draw Excalibur Jr. I thought it was a Great Dane. Same. <laughs> Bravely you leap towards the monster. Whoa, 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 wait, wait, wait a minute. Screams Excalibur Jr. We can't fight a thing that size. I hate spiders. So there you are, faced by a giant spider the size of a big Great Thane and probably poisonous, if truth be told, with a shivering, cowardly, custard sword in your hand. A torch that looks as if it's might go out any second and no easy escape. Isn't this exciting? If you're mad enough to try and make friends with a spider... Go to page 70 if you decide to force EJ to fight the spider. 64. If you fancy your chances of climbing up out of the pit, go to 66. Uh, I do not like knowing that that would bring us to a different page mm. than the other. That doesn't mean... Well, but I mean, but I mean. well, I mean, yeah, it might be like, you know, make a skill check kind of thing as to yeah. see if we get out of here. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> I, don't, I don't love drawing attention to the voices uh, super commonly, but... Um, I, I had my mind set on what voice I wanted Excalibur Jr. to have as soon as I heard it was a talking sword. And then as soon as I started, I realized it's actually kind of closer to to Iago, the parrot mm. that Jafar has. Hey, wait a minute. We can't find a thing that size. I hate spiders. It's just Gilbert Gottfried. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, do I... we want to make friends with the spider? My heart wants to try. We have, it's, the, it's the same thing as before. It's like, if this is the correct answer and we killed it first, uh, then, yeah. Okay, lunatic roll. If you get a friendly reaction, go to 68. If not, go to 64. What? That wasn't in the rules that we saw before, was it? Was it? It was i believe oh it was uh you find yourself in a da, 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 always try for a friendly ration even though the chances of receiving one might be small if you've managed to acquire some gold bribery is also marked in these possible sections with a star b which we don't have in this instance see but uh, there it doesn't say i'm gonna search the word friendly reaction in the book and i'll find the first you can learn how to use bribery and how to test for friendly reactions as you go along <laughs> no we weren't told that. And that's what I'm saying. To test for a friendly reaction, roll one die once for your enemy and one die three times for yourself. Uh, the if, rules the rules are on a card at the very back of the book and we can refer to yeah. that. 
roll one die once for your enemy and one die three times for yourself. If you score less than your enemy, he is friendly. Proceed as if you have won a fight. Oh, wow. So that's not, like, likely. Are you rolling? Yep, I'll roll for the enemy, and it's not possible. The enemy rolled uh, a two, so we will I, absolutely be over that with our three one. And I want to say, I did it as well. I got a five for the spider, a four, a two, and a four for us. So mm. it's a shame. Oh, one die three times for yourself, and if you get so, lower, so we, I would have gotten it. <laughs> Is it one die three times for ourselves added together or one die? Oh. Like, do we have to have a six and we just roll like a one, a two, and a oh, two? Is it like is that extremely is? unlikely? I don't know. Oh. Yeah, I think that it's just like, I think you're right. I, I think you're right. I think that this is, based off of okay lunatic roll, I think that that's going to be the, the implication. Yep. But I so desperately wish we could know. Anyway, 64. I mean, alas, uh, it seems like we didn't lose anything by trying. No, nothing for it but a fight. Whatever EJ thinks. The spider has 33 life points, strikes on a roll of four or better, and scores a plus three. Worse still, it is really poisonous. So every third time it hits you, you need to see if the poison will get you. Roll two dice again. If your score is not six or better, you're dead from spider venom. Okay. This is absolutely a, if we get hit twice, we use some fire, uh, fire fingers. Absolutely. Kind of vibe. If we get hit twice, before we get hit third times, we fire finger. We don't chance a six or better. All right. So we don't get to know who goes first. So I think we do like a, a roll off initiative. I did. I got a two. Okay. For spider. I got a four. Great. So I'm going to be going first. And we're going to do five damage with our first strike exclusively. Taking the enemy down to 28. Okay. <laughs> did we use a potion? We did not yet. Are we crit? Did we die? I mean, we got... Spider got an 11. Which is mm. not great. So Seven higher than their value of four, plus three is uh, ten, and they do six less. Uh, sorry, four less. So we take uh, six, taking us down to ten HP. Okay, well, if we get hit another time... The enemy time, is going to knock us out. Probably. Hmm. Probably. Do we just immediately do a firefighter to see if we... I mean, that's only ten damage. We would still have to do it three times to survive. The thing is, okay, not, not to math it out, but so we're at ten. Mm-hmm. What number would they have to roll to put us at put us under five, or at I guess at five. Uh, so at five they would have to uh, do five damage total, which means they would need to do nine damage total themselves, uh, which means they only need six higher than their four value. So a ten would kill us. I think I think we I mean <laughs> I think we're I think we could chance it because the thing is like we're gonna. Pop the fire blast after a second hit that we would take anyways, right? Mm -hmm. I think statistically speaking, it is unlikely, it is less likely than it is likely to roll a 10 or higher. 
So, therefore, I'm willing to chance it. All right. Let's attack. Hmm. We do six damage to the enemy. (laughs) Taking them down to 22. I mean, basically, the thing is, it'd be nice. The min-maxer in me wants to get him into one fire finger range instead of two fire finger range. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, that sounds like the ideal. Okay. He rolls a seven. That's scary. Mm. But we're not dead. Yep. So we only take two damage to that, going down to eight. Uh, we... Even if we tried to use Firefinger, we would still need three turns of Firefinger at this point. Oh, does Firefinger take a turn? Uh, it, it never said oh, it, I, it, I never said it did. I assumed the combat moves did. Yeah, that's what I was wondering, because it never says it does. It, do- it doesn't say that. So I was under the impression it might be like a well, use it at your discretion. It is a limited resource kind of a thing. That could be wrong. But if we, I mean, we could, we could play it by the rules and go for a fire finger or by the presumes rules, go for a fire finger and then just see. But yeah, I was operating under the assumption. That's why I was so gung ho. Is I was operating under the assumption we could right. do two fire fingers in a turn. Uh, hmm. That's going to be worth figuring out is the thing. Yeah. Although that would give you always, until you run out of fire fingers, the ability to just nullify enemies, which I would be surprised about. Just very quickly looking for any additional rules. I've seen nothing on it, so I think we need to make a judgment call. Mm. I, I think it takes a turn. And the reason I think it has to take a turn is because otherwise you are heavily incentivized to hold literally every spell... And then as soon as you meet Anselm, Fireball, Fireball, Firefinger, 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 Firefinger. I will say, on that note, it does say on the hint page to do that. Does it say to save your most powerful weapons for that fight? Or does it say to, like, combo cast them to death? I mean, it says save everything for that fight and cast it all on him because it could take him out right away, is what it says. But... I am down for it to take a turn because it adds some spice to it anyways. Yeah. It does mean we do have to chance the the roll for the spider anyways, which I would not have subjected us to, but now we gotta. So Firefinger, so that's a minus 10. It's at 12 regardless, right? Mm-hmm. It's Firefinger can't miss. Have you marked that you used one? Yep. Okay, so I rolled a five, which is a hit, but is it damage? Uh, it's three and one negated. Oh, it, wait, does it, does this count as the third time the spiders hit us? So we have to use the venom? Yeah. Which which is why we should, this, we didn't know we needed to figure out before. I would not have been so risky as to do it. Uh, so we need to roll what? I've rolled a seven. Uh, oh, it, it was above a six, right? In order to survive. Then we're fine. So it's that's just yep. a check. It's not damage. It's just a check. Okay, okay. It's just mm-hmm. a live check. So we're fine. We're. F- I mean, fine is a cool. bit of a. So the enemy's on, on the enemy's on twelve. If we use Firefinger on our turn, they'll be unconscious. I think that it is. It's unwise to not at this point. Bazap. We bazap him. Um. And how much health do we have? Spider again? is now on two HP, and we have eight. Yeah. Let's um. Let's heal. Chug-a-lug a potion? Sounds good to me. So that's roll two dice and heal that much. You want to do that? Mm-hmm. Yep. And we heal by... Ooh, ten. Sick. 
we'll take it. The question is if we use another or not. I'd say maybe we're fine. I'm, I'm happy to use another because we can get the full value out of it. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Is If we're under 12, we might as well. Let's do it. Do it. We got another nine. Hell yeah. Up to 27. Okay. That works. And we Kill have the... 16 charges of health pot left. I mean, yeah, that's why I'm fine with using it. And we'll go up to 80 yeah. here. What a mess. Legs yep. all over the place. Still, you killed the spider. Pip, which is better than the spider killing you? And we got experience. What are we at? We can't be at even that much. How could you even get 20 experience out of it? What the heck? No clue. Four experience. Unless a lot of more things are puzzles than we would say. <laughs> like, you opened a door. You solved the puzzle of the knob. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, you want to search the pit again, 73, if you decide to climb back out, 45. I mean, the spider's dead. Let's search this uh, pit without it uh, harassing us. I'm with it. 73. Will you never learn? Now you found a snake. A little thing, but deadly poisonous. <laughs> you can tell by the skull and crossbow markings on its back. No chance to make friends here. It's trying to bite you already. The snake only has 12 life points, so it's not too difficult to kill, but it only needs to hit you once. Rolling a six or better to kill you. Roll to see who gets the first strike and best of luck. Snake got I a three. A four. Okay. Woo! We go first. Okay. Uh, Firefinger? If we zap the snake. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But also, oh I no. I don't want to risk this death. Yeah, that's just. All right, 79. One more Firefinger. The snake is now unconscious and we kill it immediately afterwards. <laughs> 79 are you gonna search again if so go to 69 if you had more than enough this pit climb out and go to 45 now wraps <laughs> let's do it let's go i want to know i almost want it to just be another bad thing so that we mm -hmm. can you know 69 how do you escalate from that giant spider snake i think it's just like i think you would just say you are you die like come on you die. Or <laughs> you Six suffer undefined trauma. You die. Uh, page 69. You found a secret door, Pip. Well done. Go to 91. I mean, hell yeah. A <laughs> In Wizards Anselm's Dark Lair. 91. A secret door, Pip. What an extremely sneaky place to put it. An adventurer could wander around for ages and never think of looking for a secret door down here. Well, well, always worth looking behind a secret door, Pip. The thing is, can you open it? They aren't as quick as always so easy. Roll your dice quickly. Score six or below and go to 94. Six or above, go to 118. Go, oh, come on. Uh, we scored a six, so we go to 118. Okay. Just marking down 91 takes to 94 and 118. This is my notebook is much more of a mess than normal for this. Mm hmm. You got a knack with doors, Pip. It opens so quietly, which is just as well since there are two guards on the other side. Nasty big men with leather armor and swords. Since you open the door quietly, you have the advantage of surprise, which gives you the first blow against each of them. So go to 86. 86. Fight time. Bribe. We can bribe each of them. Potentially. Uh, you're into a fight, Pip. Whether you like it or not, each card has 15 life points. Their swords do plus two damage, and their leather armor subtracts two from damage against them. Remember from 82. So we strike first. 
when rolling dice to decide the outcome of the fight, take the two guards together when you're working out the sequence. Okay. All right. So we get to go first. Mm-hmm. Focus left guard. Focus left guard. All deeps on left guard. So so we can hit each of them first. They're on 15 life points. Uh, they don't get to <laughs> negate damage from... If we use two fire fingers, we would just immediately win the fight. Maybe. I mean, wait, does that does their armor not negate? Does it say that? It says they can't miss. It doesn't say it does tw- 10 damage for sure. Oh. So very in my that. heart, that sounds like a four fire finger kind of situation, which makes me want to try and just get first strike on both of them. Or wait, do we get a free strike on both of them? Or I think so. Mm-hmm. Based off of the phrasing, we get oh, a free strike, strike against on each. You get a first strike against each. Which makes it sound like every turn... Wait, do we get to attack both of them every turn? Is that what it's saying? No. I believe not. so. We're like conducting two different fights at the same time. I guess, yeah. I guess I guess that's the case. All right. Well, I, do you want to use a fire finger or... Yeah, it doesn't say whether or not the, the fireball's damage is reduced. Yeah, I think it's just the fact that uh, the leather armor subtracts two damage from any damage scored against them. That phrasing makes it sound okay, like... Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It it sounds like that's where the determinant is. It's on the armor. Well, maybe we should uh, start punching. I think we start punching. Stop mathing and start punching. Which uh, page are we on, sorry? Oh, 86. <laughs> 86. So they have 15 life points. Yeah, if you roll to attack, because we got to go first. We get to go first. First strike against guard number one. Does no damage. First strike against guard number two. Does uh, five, ten damage. They're immediately... Oh, eight damage. They reduce it by two. Ah, So they're at seven. So then. Okay. We've got Fifteen and seven. Oi, who goes there? The first guard wakes up from his slumber and swings his little tiny sword at you. And does us so seven is a two plus two, so it's just it's gonna be two, right? Wait, no, one. Uh, it would be three, it would be one above their uh, six, and then an additional two for their sword, but it's actually zero because yes. our leather arm negates all of that damage. You're right, that's right. Okay, second one gets a nine, which is going to be a three plus two. one full damage, to one us. full damage. Wow. We can handle, like, a lot of these guys. But one snake, mm-hmm. one snake can kill you instantly. <laughs> God forbid one of these guys is a snake. All right. Uh, uh, okay, five damage reduced by two. So we are taking the first target down by three health. Okay. So they're 12. down to 12 now. All right, anything. And the second guard is, uh, is that straight to dead? I believe that's straight to dead. That's a movie murder. Five. Yep. They're on negative one HP. Oh no! He explodes into the I, I, <laughs> I, I throw uh, EJ up into the sky, and it lands no. down point first. I catch it by the point. I swing my arm around, and I throw the sword like a dart <laughs> directly into the middle of the forehead of the enemy, uh, and they explode into viscera. Dale. Um. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Alright. He was a pacifist! You killed Dale! And he rears his arm back and does a... <laughs> wait, does a... 
heaven, which is, if I remember correctly, not Zero. impressive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not enough to hit us. He's landing a lot. He's just not, it's not doing anything. His eyes are too full of tears at the death of his compatriot and he cannot aim appropriately. Yeah. We roll snake eyes doing no damage back to him. Okay. All right, now I've got you. He rolls his whales put us off. Which is too. There's still nothing. Still zero damage for him. He needs to roll a nine or above. Yeah, anything that doesn't have a plus four is like kind of screwed. Mm hmm. Uh, we do three damage to the enemy as a result of hitting them exactly and decreasing our sword's damage by two. So he's down to nine. Or mm-hmm. like, this is the this is the like longest fight we've had. He gets a, he gets a five. He does nothing. He's he's worn down. He's crying. He's in a pool of tears. Some of Dale is on his shoulder. He's just, as he's, he is slumped into this somber mess on the ground. Uh, we walk up behind him with EJ. And attempt to slit his throat. <laughs> uh, unfortunately. <laughs> oh, no, wait. I do four damage. Five, one, five, two. Yeah, we do four damage, so we knock him unconscious. We um, unfortunately uh, only slit the oxygen uh, and not the blood supply. Yeah. <laughs> so he just hey. uh, passes out. Raps, make another attack roll. <laughs> Dead as hell. <laughs> <laughs> that is disco baby he, he pops now he's joined in uh joined with dale in a pile on the ground uh 107 we have done a murder now that you t- wait now that you have time to look around you you find that you're in a small anteroom with a single well-lit corridor running off northwards the whole feel of this place is very different to the parts of the wither- wizard anselm's dark castle that you have already visited. It feels lived in. If you listen carefully, you can even hear distant sounds. Better move quietly, Pip, and keep a careful lookout. You creep along the corridor for 15 meters until you arrive at a T-junction with a second corridor running east and west. Quick glance both ways tells you this corridor is empty for the moment, although you have a feeling someone might happen along at any second. Uh, If you decide to move west along the new corridor, 105, east 96, if you decide risking looking for another secret and you never know secret door and you never know your luck go to 99 i do you feel like they would have another secret door but this one like telling you to look for it um i it just doesn't feel like killing two guys with no loot is is proper reward for the amount of effort we've gone to yeah it's it's true but like we're we're in the dark part of the castle anyways, so 105 or 96 could be our reward as well. Am I missing something? It's true. Do you want to try 99? Is all I'm getting. I do. I do. Okay, that's what it sounded like. Let's go to 99. Trouble, Pip. While you were searching for that secret door, a guard crept up on you in circum in the circumstance he has the first strike. He has 20 life points, wears minus two leather armor. Oh, yeah, okay. And here's a plus two sword. Mm. That's what's much worse. He's a particularly skilled swordsman, so he only needs a three or better to hit you. Okay, so he's much scarier. And he gets to go first. Mm. Boy, have you seen Dale? <laughs> he got a three! Why does everyone like this Dale guy? <laughs> he got a three. Oh, he's got a three. So he does Nothing. two damage to us, which is negated. Yeah, he needs a five or a... Wait. 
a six or higher to do anything. Uh, we do nine, so that's five higher than our base value with an additional five from the sword, negative two from the enemy. We do eight damage to them, taking them down to 12 HP. Oh, get wrecked. All right. Oh, that's damage for sure. That's a 10. That's a, so it's seven, nine, minus four. That's five, that's five damage. That's a damage. Mm -hmm. That's a damage. 21. Sure. Kill this man. Kill this man. Kill this man. <gasps> Does the floor one count or not? No, never. Damn it. It was a Sorry. Six. Sorry. It never counts. That's okay. You got to be consistent. And only got reduced slightly. We're on a nine again, so we'll do another uh, another eight damage to this character, taking them down to four. They are unconscious. Oh, dang. Make another attack. <laughs> all right. It's weird that they introduced the unconscious system, but almost all of the fight prompts we've seen are, if they kill you, go to this. If you kill them, go to this. No other options. Yeah. We absolutely eviscerate this guard. Uh, what do we have for experience, by the way? Seven. Seven experience. I counted the two guards that we fought at the same time before as two points of experience because I, I think that, that was what I should do. Right. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure we probably missed something that the game would classify as a puzzle, like finding the secret door or something. I don't know. Who knows? Entirely possible. Another baddie bites the dust. You're doing rather well at the moment, Pip. If you want to continue searching for the door, go to 134. Otherwise, go to 107 to reconsider. I mean, I mean I what could happen? Like, well, <laughs> <laughs> I, we could, we could probably die <laughs> pretty easily. So 134. Perseverance is a very worthwhile characteristic in an adventurer. Roll dice. Score four or more and go to 143. Score four or less and you find nothing. Oh, well. We go to 143. Oh, we roll a six, thank God. a four, and a two. <laughs> you just got lucky, Pip. You found the wizard Anselm's treasure room, and what a find. Just look at it. Gold, silver, gems galore. A king's ransom here. Old Anselm must have been thieving for years to amass this lot. There's even a pen. A pen in one quarter full of honking pigs. If you take the time to count, you'll find 20,000 gold... 18,000 silver, 25 emeralds, 500 gold pieces, 61 rubies, each worth 200 gold pieces, 77 diamonds worth 1,000, and 18 pigs worth about three silver pieces. Okay. What a find, and it's yours if you can kill the wizard Anselm. Nobody will begrudge it to you since you've earned it fair and square. Except the pigs, of course, which will have to go right back to their rightful owners. You can take all the gems now and about 500 gold pieces, no more. Gold is heavy, or you can come back later for the lot after you've paid, put paid to Anselm. Either way, return to 107 before deciding what to, where to go next. We should probably just take the, the loot that we get access to, right? Maybe. But also, at the same time, if we don't take it, we, we can theoretically come back. Well, but what if we don't? What if we can't come back? Is that what you're saying? Mm. If there's some reason why we can't? What if we can't come back? What if this money is much more useful now rather than later? It's Very worth noting, true. like, we get 500 of the gold pieces, but we get all of the uh, all of the diamonds, all of the rupees, all the emeralds, all the and pigs. that's actually the majority of the gold. Yeah. Well, right. It says we can <laughs> It says we can take the gems and 500 of the gold pieces. It doesn't tell us how many pigs we can take. <laughs> I want three, at least. There's nothing in the rules that says a, a pig can't be stolen and play basketball. Um, exactly. All right. Works for me, so have you marked down that stuff? 25 emeralds. 
I mean, I think you can just mark uh, down the gold cost. Rubies. I'm not going to do that just because I think it's entirely possible they ask about right. specific gems at some point. Um, that said, I will write down what their translation value is. There we go. All right. So we're back to 107, we which is just moving ah. west or east. I, do, you have, do, you care, do you care? <laughs> not a, not especially. This area is relatively un, unmapped as far as I'm aware. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I Let's just do the top one, 105. Mm -hmm. Move west. The corridor runs west for 30 meters and ends in a door. At 15 meters, there's a second door in the north wall. North wall, or try and go on quietly and try the door at the end of the corridor, 85. Oh my god, do you hear that lightning? That big thunder? Holy crap. I did not. Okay. It shook my room. It sounds like your audio gate heard it for a second, though. It was, as it was trying to clearly adjust your voice down because it thought you were lightning. I am, I am, I am lightning, I am thunder. I am Thor. Okay. <laughs> North wall, or, I don't, I don't know, I don't care. I don't have a, I don't have a pull for one of it, these unless- It, it doesn't- it doesn't make an especially large difference to us in either way. Uh, I, I will say both of these are unmapped directions right. as far as I'm aware. Let's go to 89. Let's just do the top one in situations where there's literally no real thing. Uh, one moment. Sounds good. And then that lightning took out the world. It's, it's so true. I, it, okay. Cards on the table. It's a day later. Because it was a really bad thunderstorm. It was true that uh, I, I it said, get to safety. Did I do that? I plead the fifth. But I did not want to be in my bow-windowed office. So here we are a day later. Here you are in one piece. Sure. I have to say, you got to safety. Even if you didn't intentionally yes. do it, where you was, was safe. <laughs> Correct. But anywho, uh, so we're on... 89 now we are, we are exploring indeed. you said we were exploring the other the western corridor yes so we got to the t-junction after we fell through the pit we're exploring the western corridor whilst doing so we found another door to the north which took us to page 89 all right yipes it's a guard room jam-packed with about a hundred hairy great guards they're sitting around playing dice drinking ale and sharpening their swords what a nasty-looking lot. You'd never have a prayer of surviving a fight with this bunch, Pip. Better check to find out if they notice you opening the door. Roll two dice. Seven or more, go to 145. Score below seven, go to 140. It better not be hmm. a, just an actual lethal. I want to have a, a bad fight, like a fight where it's not in our favor. I think it's entirely possible it's an actual lethal, although this is also a bribery page. Oh, wait, that's true. It said, you you know, of course it said, you will learn these mechanics in the game, but we did not. Let me go find the bribery page. Uh, yes. At the very bottom, bribery yeah. is only possible in sections marked asterisk B. The number of asterisks indicates the amount of gold pieces or objects of equal or high value your enemy will accept. And that is double star means 500 GPs. To offer a bribe, roll two dice. If you score one to seven, your bribe is refused. So it's still what? effectively the same roll. Uh, if you score eight to 12, you proceed as if you've won a fight. Whether or not you're successful, subtract the bribe amount from your gold what? scores. Wait, why would we? Wait, what? 
Wait, a one through seven. If you're seven. not successful in bribing someone, you have to give them the bribe money as a penalty. Yeah. I mean, wow, okay. Uh, it seems... So what do you think? You think it's a good idea to do the bribe then? Or... Uh... Well, I mean, we do actually have a large amount of money, and is that money really going to help us all when we're dead? No, but I guess my question is... <laughs> we're rolling to get above a 7 either way. Is the implication that we try and bribe, and if that's successful, then we go to 145 anyways? Oh, it's also it's um 500 gold each. Yeah, and there's about a hundred hairy great guards. So, uh, whoops. <laughs> I don't know if we would have the ability to do that. Would yeah, we? I think the implication is that. I guess maybe here's oh, the we thing. Would. Maybe it's just we would keep in. Yeah, that's true. I guess we would. It's a lot, but uh, maybe we keep in mind that we can bribe for five hundred each when we figure out what the fight looks like. Maybe that's so what so? it is. Maybe that's what it means. So do we? Tr should we just try and roll two dice and see what happens first? I think that's probably the first call. Let's do it. And then I, I would imagine, because otherwise it would say, is it really like five, 500 times 100? I don't think so. I rolled exactly seven. Is that seven or that's more? That's going to page 145. Phew. They didn't notice. Go to 107 to reconsider your options. Oh, boy. Huh. Okay. So that's our original T-junction again, which means we still have the ability to go west. And if we do go west, we can just continue past the guard room, or instead we can go east. So that's, wait, back to 105. Wait, 105, 107, 105. 107, yes. But if we go west along this corridor, we're going back to 105. I see, I see, I see. Oh, yeah, okay. I mean... I'd, I'd say we go we go east then, don't we? Haven't we done the other, everything else? No, if we go uh, if we go west along the corridor and then we try the door at the end of the corridor, we end up at 85, which we haven't done. Gotcha. Yeah, we have not done that. That's true. I don't have a strong feeling on either of those. When, when the choice comes down to pick this door or that door and there's no other information on it, I, I guess I don't have a strong one. Do you have a strong one based off of the map? Kind of. And it's the continuation to 85 at the end of the Western Corridor, just right. because that would then finish that branch. That's true. I do like, for completion's sake, getting that out of there. But I, that's mm. a much better reason than anything I would have. 85 it is. Busy, busy. It's the kitchens. Cooks and skivvies racing all over the place, making great bustle, but not doing very much. Fortunately, they're all so busy being busy that nobody notices Use opens the door. No sense in... Making trouble, retreat quietly, and return to 107 to reconsider your options. Oh, well. Excellent. Okay. I mean, hey, that we now we know. And it exactly. was a, such a quick, quick, clean you wasted your time, too, instead of a three-page three deep you wasted your time. As far as I'm concerned, that's a positive result. A dead end that we now know we don't yes. need to continue trying to pursue. That's yes. great. Let's go east 96. in the original T-junction. 96. The corridor runs east for about 25 meters before you find yourself at sort of a corridor crossroads. A glance to the south shows you two guards standing by a southern door. Uh, fortunately, they didn't see you, but they undoubtedly will if you try and cross the corridor or go north. To the north, the corridor runs 15 meters before ending in a solid, solid wooden door. 
To the east, it continues further for 10 meters, ending in a step downwards. But to go this way, you must cross the north-slash-south corridor. By the looks of this, you can only tackle the guards unless you want to return to an earlier section. Go to 95. Hmm. So it's basically saying go to 95 or go back. Is that... Am I misunderstanding here? Yeah, I believe it's 95 or go back. Yeah. Well, I mean, 95, I guess it is, right? Yep. I mean, the only other way we would be able to even try and get out of here would be going back to the pit and then trying to use the ladder to get out. I don't think we need to go back that far. Cool, cool. Let's go to 95. With EJ drawn, you launch yourself down the corridor like a tornado. Have at you, guards of the wicked wizard Anselm! You cry. Brave words, Pip, but do they do you any good? You can claim the first strike because of your surprise attack. After that, it go it's out with the old dice to see how the fight goes. The guards each have 15 life points, their swords do plus two, and their armor deducts two. Uh, if the guards kill, you go to 14. If you kill the guards, you now have the options of blank. Okay, so we... How many guards are there? Uh, two, it said two? in the previous section. So I'm going to be taking Good. the first strike against each of them. That's an eight, which is four above our four hit value for that plus five damage to nine. Uh, they reduce two with their armor. So guard number one is now on eight, eight. HP. Good deal. Oof, he says... The second guard, however, gets a slight glancing blow on the pauldron as our EJ swings wide. Mm. Full miss? Mm-hmm. All right. Oi, what you doing there, you little... And the first one attacks for a six, which I can't remember if that... Wait, so they're just rolling on a six. They're trying to hit a six? They're rolling on a six, so okay. they would so that's do nothing. zero damage differential. They would do plus two from their sword, and four is negated by our armor. Okay, so, so we no heal damage. two then, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> ah, that just energized me. Thank you. All right, the second one goes for another swing. That's a four. That's not even... We get really healed then. Hell yeah. I guess, no, it needs to hit and then do negative for us to heal. <laughs> uh... We do another five damage to the first guy, which that knocks means him out. he's now knocked out. Yep. Honkshu, Honkshu, he says. Oh boy, we crit the second. Ooh. So that's eight. Could that possibly? 13, 11 damage. They're also unconscious. Oh my lord. Honkshu, Honkshu. Honkshu, Do we, uh... We'll gain two experience. <laughs> yeah, do we, do we make two extra attacks? Or... No. Uh, oh, you... absolutely. All we right, have yeah, to yeah. kill the guards to have the remaining options. That's true. That's You're right. It says if the... Yeah. Why does it... I don't... It does seem like there should be something related to the knocking out if it's even a mechanic at all. Like, So, in between the end of the last recording session and the start of this recording session, I did quickly check. And I found that there is one instance, apparently, <laughs> in all of the eight books where <laughs> there is actually a difference based on whether or not you knock them out or you kill them. Oh my lord. Why is it a thing then? <laughs> you might never not you might never not done 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 even see that done one. You yep, know? exactly. That's crazy. Alright, well, let's kill him then. I mean, I guess all it is, all it acts as is it's flavor then, right? Like it's I think that's what it is, is you can choose to knock them out or kill them. Flavor, I guess. And it's like, everything kind of has five, sort of has five less health than they seem. Sort of. Yeah, exactly. I think that's all it's, it really means. 
the flavor of it just gets slightly weird when all of the prompts still say, say if kill. you kill the ex. It, yeah, I know. It should say if you take <laughs> if if you dispatch the threat or like yeah, you know, exactly. just some, it's something along those lines. Anyways, if you murder the guards in cold blood, mm. you now have the option of do. entering the room that they were guarding, returning up the corridor and continuing east to 130 or continuing up and going north 149 or returning to any available earlier section. All right, you're not going to love my reasoning for this, but I think we need to enter the room they were guarding, and that's because it's south, and uh, I don't have more space on my page to draw the rest of the map to the north and <laughs> to the east. It's better reasoning than I would have. I, You know what I need to do for, for this freaking podcast? I need to pick a favorite cardinal direction, apparently, right? Like, yeah, legitimately. I, need, I legitimately, for this podcast, I need to pick a preferred, like, left or right. I need to bet. I need to choose one that I favor for some reason. And I need to choose a cardinal direction. One for north-south, one for east-west, and then one that I prefer ultimately between all of them. Because it comes up mm -hmm. more often than you'd think that you're just supposed to pick a direction. <laughs> yep. So I also end up in the exact same position of, like, I mean, I have to optimize around something here, right? No. Yeah. In these instances, if you don't have anything else to optimize around, it's useful to just have something built into your soul that's just like north. It, it's always north if there's no other option. I like, I mean, I like north. I like north, but... Uh, so, south! South! 138! So 138. <laughs> in some ways, this is the strangest room you've been in yet. It's empty of people, but not of clutter. In fact, it's so jam-packed you can hardly tell what size it is. There's a furnace and benches, racks, shelves, cabinets, sacks, drums, barrels. The list could go on forever. Hanging from the ceiling, there's stuffed lizards, dried herbs, shrunken heads, a few glistening skulls, and one full skeleton. There's banners on the wall embroidered with mystic sigils. There's a circle drawn on the floor on one of the few spaces open. And the circle's inscribed with more mystic signs. One glance would tell you all you need to know. This is obviously the wizard Anselm's magical workroom. Want to search? 128. Want to see what happens if you step in the circle? 144. Decide to get out of here as quickly as possible. Return to any available section. Since there are no exits from this room. I mean... I mean, we search. This is his magical workroom. This is where the, the magical is going to be. This is where <laughs> all the magic happens, so to speak. Exactly. That's the least euphemistically that's ever been used. I know. I think we need to search the area. Yeah. I think 128. I feel like standing in the circle seems bad. Oh, absolutely. Ooh. Roll dice to see if the search produced anything worthwhile. There's three different options. This is a loot. This is just a loot table kind of situation. Mm -hmm. We rolled a nine. Nine, that gives us the middle option. Whether or not that's middle good, I don't know. 148 it is. Hmm. Something interesting here. Looks like a wand of some sort. You lift the wand and wave it. Nothing happens. All the same, it looks like a wand. You point it and nothing happens. Silly thing. You mutter. And at once the wand emits a luminous green globule which sticks to the wall, pulsating slightly. A little trial and error soon teaches you to use the globule wand. You point and say, Silly thing. Silly thing? Again. And a globule fires. Whether or not the globule hits the thing that you're aiming at depends on whether you achieve your normal strike throw. If it does hit, the globule will do no damage, but it'll hold them perfectly still while you get four strikes at him 
mm-hmm. without him being able to attack back? Oh, hell yeah. Roll one die to figure out how many globules are left in the wand. Oh, that's broken. Come on, and good result. There's a one. There's one globule left in this. It's the only one that counts. Worst result possible. Yeah. Great. Found something. Good. Good. Great. Hey, I mean, it'll be great. It's better than nothing. You know what? It's optimized for us one thing, which is we know exactly which fight to use this in now. There's only that one fight true. we can. There's no, yeah, there's no thought about like which one. Yeah, because that what that sets up that's really good is you use that wand and then with our the way we decided the rules are with the spells, that could give us four turns to just chain cast spells. Yep. So that's, that, that's like the wand of make the rules the way I thought instead of the way that we agreed on eventually. <laughs> That's what the wand will be. Uh, okay, so we're back it's to the wand of free cast fireball. Exactly. So was it 96? Wait, I no. believe so, yes. Wait, really? Wait. If it's 96, that's confusing. Because that takes us back to 95 again, which makes us fight the... I gotta be honest. Does it take us to 96? Well, I mean, the if gods so, are I'm dead. fine with it. Yeah... However, they don't there could respawn. be there could be more guards. You know what I'm saying? It could be different guards and thus XP farm. <laughs> we could grind your reps. <laughs> it said there's about a hundred guards. We could grind here. <laughs> I mean, if they've refreshed here and they see the corpses of their friends and they just stand beside them, yeah, they deserve <laughs> it. They yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, okay, so I guess I'm, I want to go back. I want to just make sure that, that is indeed the page because I guess so. Yeah, that takes us to 148. Huh. Yeah, it's, it does take us back to 96. So I guess we just have to have a little bit of suspension of disbelief here. Well, yeah, since there's no it's, exit from the lab, return to yeah. 96 before oh, deciding where to go next. 96 takes us, gotcha. Unless you want to return to an earlier section. You can, mm. oh, well, yeah, no. I mean, the phrasing on it, the phrasing on it is, it's a little bit. You can only, by the looks of this, you can only tackle the guards unless you want to return to an earlier section. Yeah. I mean, I'm fine with going to an earlier section because I don't actually want to XP farm. That sounds boring. But Mm. technically, by the phrasing of the book, I think you could make a case for them being different guards. But I don't want to. There is the north and the eastern exits from here as well. That's true. Uh, I, uh, I absolutely, have I ever told you, Raps? I love mm. East. <gasps> really? You've gotten into East recently. I, I like East. I can I'm, be down I'm, with East. I've kind of, I've kind of gotten into East. So, you follow the corridor quickly eastwards, noting, oh, I love East, noting that this one is rather more dimly lit than the others. The wall torches have been replaced by only a few lamps, and when you reach the steps below, downwards, you see... There are fewer still below. At the bottom of the steps is a stout door, the top half of which comprises bars through which emerges a dull red glow. The door has a huge lock. It also has a guard, but fortunately a very tired guard at that, since he's asleep at his post. Looks like you've discovered the dungeons, Pip. Or possibly some horrible torture chamber. Is Anselm keeping the queen locked away in here? Who can tell? If you decide to try your luck at stealing the guard's keys and opening the dungeon, go to 124, or leave <laughs> mm. 
I mean, we can't just decide that this is a, a bad idea. At the bottom of the steps is a stout door, the top half of which comprises a bar through which emerges a dull red glow. That doesn't sound especially inviting. I'm getting the feeling of uh, Deltarune Chapter 1, the ending where the dungeon is where they locked up the deep dark boss that you don't want to fight unless you want to spend a couple of hours there. Mm. I haven't played yet. Okay, well, forget everything but... I just said. Jevil is not real. Okay. The Jevil can't hurt you. I, uh, are you trying to talk me out of going into the evil red dungeon room, Raps? I just think we have a lot of loot at the moment. I, <laughs> I just think things have gone really well in our life. And I'm worried. We can absolutely do it, but I, I do expect that it will be a uh, a red herring in the form of some sort of fire you, elemental or demon. Yeah, I mean, because the thing is, it's definitely going to be a role whether or not we can successfully steal the keys. But your fear is that if we are successful, that's maybe the worse outcome than if we're not. That's your <laughs> implication? I believe that is what I think, yes. I believe I think this, yes. I've, I've been there. Uh, all right. So guide me elsewhere, and we may come back here if we can't find anything else. Sure. Let me just quickly uh, note this on my map. There's also North. I don't know how you feel about North. I love North. Is that 149? Get into North recently? I've um, been really into see. North recently. Which page is this on? Uh, that is returning up the corridor and going North. 149, yes. All right. 149. The northern corridor ends in a door, which is slightly ajar. Carefully and quietly, you push it open. A guard room. It's obviously a guard room, since there's all sorts of military equipment, swords, shields, daggers, spears stacked along the walls, not to mention tables, chairs, plates, goblets, even dice, which you would normally associate with a large number of guards. The only thing is, it's empty. There's something suspicious here, Pip. There are two exit doors to the room, one in the east wall, the other in the north. If you decide to enter the room, go to 122. Otherwise, go back somewhere else. Mm. I mean, so here, we're in, it's, I mean, we're at an impasse. There's two extremely suspicious paths, and we gotta pick one. So, right? Am I missing something? These are the two... I'm looking at my note, and it's, it just looks like, a, it looks like a mess at this point, my notebook. Normally, it's so clean for goosebumps, <laughs> and for this, it's, oh, God, it's a mess. So, yeah, we have mm. two two paths that seem dangerous. We could die. It's just We also room. technically do have the ability to go back to the original room and climb out. Not that I'm advocating necessarily yeah. for that, but the, the rules of the game do allow us to, at any yes. point just go back to a previously explored area via our map. Um, you're, and you're saying I'm before happy... we even find the secret door? Or no? Even before that? Or is no? it an extra secret door? The, the extra secret door where it's like, congratulations, Pippi found the secret door. Never mind. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's uh, the pit, I believe, that we fought the spider in. Yes. So before that. I don't think it's wise to go back there. There was a lot of Very instant. Fair. There was a lot of instant deaths back there because I think they were le they were less likely to. Um, I think it was less likely that you would have been upset for instant deaths back there, so they realized mm. it. So I just don't want to go back. I don't want to go back there. There were chickens that just killed you if you rolled a three or less or something. <laughs> exactly. 
Do we want to go to the, uh, do we want to go to the empty guard room, this current one, or do we want to try the key? Empty guard room. I mean, it says there's two exit doors in here, but it's, it's interesting that it says you decide to enter the room and it doesn't give us try and go, you know, go for the east, go for mm -hmm. the north. So I guess my question would be, is this for some reason, like, hmm. I think this might be the invisible guards room. It could be the invisible guard room or my thought being like, is this like a, an endless maze kind of a situation? Is that, I don't know, just something about there being the, the exits being on the North and the East once again, to me feels like mm -hmm. may, I don't, that's my only lead. I don't know, Ravs. This is the biggest decision we've had probably ever in terms of like the most stakes. All right. This, this is you probably the most stakes you on a decision like, we've ever had. You like East more than North. Let's go and steal this guy's key and open the dungeon. All right. That's 124? Wait. 124, I believe, yes. Here's the thing. We might just fail the roll. <laughs> That's true. And then that might make a decision for us anyways. Okay. So we are going to slowly, gingerly, you seal down the steps. Carefully, slowly, you reach out to get the man's keys. Roll dice to see if you make it. Two to six, go 142. Seven to 12, go to 126. It doesn't say which one's better, but we usually presume. Seven. So seven to 12 on 126. Watch this be one of the ones where it doesn't... Oh, okay. Sneakily done. You've got the keys and the guard is still snoring soundly. Use them to open the dungeon door quietly and go to 125. It's a dungeon, all right. And a torture chamber. Just look at the shackles on the walls and the Iron Maiden, that big coffin-shaped cabinet with iron spikes inside the door, and the rack for stretching people, and the branding irons and the charcoal brazier. The wizard Anselm could do somebody a lot of damage in here. Fortunately, there's no one to do damage to. No wonder the guard was asleep. No tough job guarding an empty dungeon. There is no exit from this room. Go back to 96. Well. All right, we survived the dungeon. We did it. You weren't wrong it was not the right choice but for well i w i was as wrong as hell i thought that was gonna be a That's big old true. demon in here <laughs> it's true but the true demon is you know wasting your time right mm, exactly say, so with no further time wasted 149 let's go north of the corridor and see what's in that room when we step in is it 122 yeah 122 yeah. for entering the room Correct. You're halfway across the room, tiptoeing, when a soft voice whispers in your ear. He doesn't need guards, Pip. He's got me. You freeze, then turn. You're staring into the cold eyes and smiling fangs of a fully-fledged, dyed-in-the-wool, real-life vampire. Do you still have that garlic, by chance? Uh, yeah. If you still have your garlic... <laughs> no cheating now. We if do! You, if you ate it, it's gone. When would we have eaten it? They didn't say if it gave us it. They never said it would give us anything. Why would we have eaten it? Exactly. No, they they told us about the salves and the, the potions of healing. They didn't tell us any effect from garlic. What they should have done was, to, I mean, sorry to backseat this uh, book from 1983. Mm. I would have maybe been tempted to eat it if it healed us for 10. You know? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. But, uh, okay. 132. Of course we have it. The scream of the vampire as he sees the garlic in your hand. He clutches his throat and writhes. 
His knees buckle slowly, his eyes cross, his face goes pale. Well, paler. His entire body begins to convulse. His fangs fall out. He drops in a heap on the floor. He begins to shrivel, growing smaller and smaller until all that's left is a tiny heap of dust, some moldering clothes, and a jeweling, jeweling ring. <laughs> Jeweled ring. Worth 500 worth about holes. 500 gold Shoot. pieces of anybody's money. Luckily, you had that garlic, Pip. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, east or north? Uh, <laughs> I love east. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Okay, so 136. You are looking into a large chamber set out of rows of bunk beds. Each one has a small wooden locker placed by the side. Obviously a dormitory, Pip. And empty. Just go north, all right. Perhaps I'm starting to not like east. Well, I'm afraid you chose east, so that's what you're going to have to stand by for the rest of time. Best get to liking east. Oh, man. You best start liking east. You're in, you're in one. Yep. <laughs> 127 as you wait what the heck the top well whatever we'll, fi we'll figure it out as you approach a strange thing happens the northern door swings open of its own accord you're looking into a vast granite lined throne room colonnaded with black granite pillars between each pillar stands a thick two meter high jet black lighted candle which gives off a heavy sickly sweet smell of incense beyond the columns hang heavy maroon velvet drapes and at the end of the colonnade is a granite dais stepped into a huge, wait, stepped to a huge rough-hewn granite throne. By the foot of the throne are two of the largest, fiercest jet-black hounds you have ever seen. Hounds that stare at you malevolently with fiery eyes, and on the throne sits a tall, dark-haired, dark-bearded figure dressed in heavy, flowing black robes. Menace hangs over him like a thundercloud. Welcome, little person, booms the figure on the throne. It seems you wish to see me. It's him, Pip, it's him. You are face to face with the wizard Anselm himself. What a fight this is going to be. You are going to fight him, aren't you, Pip? Not much point in the whole adventure if you don't, eh? First, the good news. The wizard Anselm will make no move to harm you until you have successfully defeated his black hounds. Now, the bad news. Each hound has 25 life points and bites with plus 4 damage. Get the dice rolling, Pip. Worth noting, the hounds can be bribed with money, it says. Yep. Um, uh, it's a 4-star four four star bribe. bribe. Which yes. means they want 10,000 GPs each. I mean... <laughs> In a way, how much money do we have? Well, uh, I guess okay. on us. So, we have uh, 500 GP. We also have a jeweled ring worth 500 GP. We have 77 diamonds, each worth 1,000 GP. So, we totally have the money for this. Uh, we have 61 rubies worth 200 GP each and 25 emeralds worth 500 each. So, the question is, do we go for it? knowing we have that giant pile of money, the fear being that something precludes us from being able to return to said giant pile of money. And thus mm. why that was even a thing in the first place, because otherwise it seems too good to be true. So I like it. I do. However, I do want to consider the possibility that beating these hounds unconscious and then leaving them alive although mm -hmm. we'll get experience um might actually be pretty easy 
So they're so, not negating any of our damage. They don't oh, yeah. have any defensive armor of any kind. They do three additional damage, is it? Four. So they just they have 25 Four. health and they roll straight. So they basically have 20 HP. And and it's just it's just a straight straight roll. Everything over six mm -hmm. is damage, everything it I think it's yeah, I think you're right. I think it's fine. Especially because we get to use as many healing potions as we want afterwards. It's Although, true. I also can't think of too many circumstances where, you know, this amount of money is going to be relevant or necessary for us. That, so. that was kind of my thought, but also, what if they're like, the townsfolk need this much money to repair the orphanage? It's, you know, whatever. Something like that. Um, I'm down to fight them for the experience. We also get I the experience, that's what by the you're way, right. it does say, them. Yeah, it does say, <laughs> act as, yeah. Wow. Ain't it the way, right? Uh, but anyways, uh, I'm down to fight him. Seem to go. Let's do it. I mean, I think you know we we worked all the way to get here. Let's let's have a big old tussle. So for before hmm. we do that, are we at full health? Uh, we are currently not. We are at twenty one out of thirty two. We could drink a potion. Let's just drink a potion, like a right? chug, a chug, a chug, chug. Chugga chugga choo choo. Mm-hmm. Where am I tracking our potion usages? Up oh, there. Excellent. And our potion gives us da 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 da, -da. <laughs> Snake eyes, we get two from this. God dang it, Raps. How dare you? Roll My bad. Roll good. Let's, let's have another one. Let's have another one. Watch this be at six to six and we overflow value. I mean I'm down for it. We have so many uses. It's absurd. Uh, we get nine, which gives us exactly full oh, HP. There you go. You, you knew. You, you knew. All right. Mm -hmm. so there we go. I just wanted to use two health pots to get there. Well, how many extra potions do we have at this point? Because there's multiple uses per. Yes. So we've used four uh, charges of a health potion, which means there's two charges left in that same potion and then two other full potions left yeah, of six I mean, charges each. I mean, that's fine. Yeah, exactly. It's they give you so much. It's like I, I expect. It seems like if you're gonna die, it's either because you rolled so bad in a fight because you can't heal in a fight. You either, either roll so bad in one fight, or you die to an instant kill. <laughs> that seems like yeah. Generally, I. But maybe Anselm's I, gonna I be saw, brutal. I saw mention while I was looking uh, at people's experience with unconsciousness across this series that yeah. It, it, a lot of people do feel that the deaths don't tend to happen in combat. They tend to happen when you go to a page and it just says you died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but the thing is, it could. It could. It's dice. You never know. Exactly. Speaking of it's dice, you never know. I... Why don't you roll for the initiative of each of these hounds? Two. Five. So we're going to be faster than that hound? Oh, wait. Oh, we roll them separately? I thought they went at the same time. Oh, I got another two anyway, so whatever. It's basically the same six. thing. It doesn't matter. And six as well, so we're passing that one also. Yeah, it is it's irrelevant, so perfect. Alright, first attack against town number one. We get a six, which is two above our hit value of four, and we get five additional damage for using EJ, the sword. So seven damage to the first black hound. Oh, that's the other thing. Yeah, they have no damage reduction. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's really just... Uh... There's almost no reason not to fight them. Almost. I I think so, certainly. So that was 7 damage, taking them down to 18 HP. Hound 1, uh, Hound 2. Ooh, we hit for 10. 
Oh. Or rather, we Oof. hit at 10, which is 6 above our value of 4, so we do 11 damage, taking them down to Woof. 14 HP. Yeah, no kidding. All right. Hound number one. Ruff, ruff. Rolls a four. Okay. <laughs> ruff, ruff, I said. Hound number two. I rolled a four again. I am actually... I wish I rolled a different number so that people would believe me when I'm saying these. I rolled a Each two, a two, of... and a four, and a four. Each of the dogs leaps at one of our hands to try and bite, uh, and we deftly move it out of the way and pat, pat them, them as instead. they go past. That's the thing. Is that the thing? We just they just don't want to fight us. They they get it. They understand. And uh, our things aren't attacks. They're just how good are we petting them? Mm-hmm. We pet them for okay eleven damage. So I uh, Pip winds up with a strong left hand, with deft speed, strikes it across the entire back of the hound number one, patting them for seven points of no more fight. Eleven, okay. And the second hound, envious of that treatment, lines up for similar and takes (laughs) eight direct points. uh, Of of no fight. (laughs) Exactly. Eight points of no more fighting, taking them down to six. They're barely oh. conscious. All right. Woof, woof. I'm coming to pet you back. Oh, he <laughs> pets you back for 11. Okay, an 11 is five damage. That's not nothing. Yeah, no kidding. That's... So that's the, the five in the difference plus the four from their bite and negative four from our yeah. armor. Yeah. All right, next one. Rolled a five, so that's a nothing. Okay. All right. That's not too bad. Excellent. Back to that first hound. And would you believe they appear to be subdued, calm, and friendly at this point Their in time? Their tail you is wagging. For a total of 10 damage to them, making them unconscious. Uh, with respect to fighting, they are uh, not consciously yeah. fighting anymore. They're not is consciously that, that's fighting. That's what that means? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're just taking a nap now. They, they... Oh, God. Uh, so we actually uh, <laughs> we roll a crit on the second one and accidentally eviscerate them. It's awful. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing we can... I mean, we gotta respect the rules. We did accidentally try to pet so hard that we killed it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Mortal Kombat sequence of just like yeah. petting to take the heart out. Yeah, that's, that's a <laughs> brutal, brutal petality. Um, okay, well, we did it. That's you, two experience for us as well for having subdued the hounds. If you subdue the hounds, taking us up to a total of eleven. Take a deep breath. Use any healing potions or salves you may have, and go to one thirty-seven. I mean, we might as well, right? Like. I know we could take the we can take the potions to the next book. It said, but I feel like it's more important. First of all, I don't want to go into the book with too much of an advantage if that is what mm. happens. So, second so, of all, the solves are three HP, right? If we just use two solves, we'd be done. That's true. Works for me. All right, negative two solves, and that takes us back to full HP with an overflow of one. All right, wasted value. All right, 137. (laughs) My hounds! Screams the wizard Anselm. You pet my hounds! 
You have killed one of my hounds, to be honest. You killed one of them! You pet the other one! My hounds! And he leaps to his feet, hands outstretched, muttering a savage spell. Are you ready for this, Pip? The wizard Anselm has 150 life points. You want that again? 150 life points. What's more, he's equipped with 10 Firefinger lightning bolts, exactly like the ones Merlin gave you. With the, well, I guess... With one important difference, Aslam's lightning bolts do not hit their target automatically. You must roll dice each time he uses one, unless he scores a five or better, the bolt misses you. I mean, out those are ten? Mm-hmm. And we have how much out? 32? Well, okay. At least we were like a clean bit above. Okay, we can take four. I think, that's, I think that'll be fine. Let the magical battle commence, Pip, and may the best wizard win. All right, so he has right. 150. So we have those fire balls, right? We do indeed. So I think we, we should both roll for initiatives so we can figure out what to do. All right. Oh, oh. what did you get? Our initiative is a six. What's yours? I got a five, so, okay. Woo! Uh, we go first. We use the goo wand. Goo wand! We have to use Silly the Silly thing! But it does have to, uh, it does have to hit. And then we have to look. Mm. Do you remember the rules for the fireball? Because they don't always hit. So the fireball is we have to roll six or more on a uh, 2d6. And if it hits, it does 75 damage. Yes, exactly. This enemy has 150 HP as well. So I I think I know. I think I know what we're supposed to do. Mm Mm-hmm. So... Where's where's this uh, where's the rules of this sticky wand? It was um just you have to roll above a oh god whether or not it hits the thing you're aiming at depends on whether or not you achieve your normal strike throw. Okay, so it's just above a six. Wait, no. If it does hit the glob, you will do no damage. It's it's above a normal strike throw. So oh yeah, that's that's with itself. So it is above a six. Come on, please! Unless, I don't know. We rolled a 10, it doesn't matter. Oh, okay, all right. Perfect. My man's sticky as hell for the next four turns. Ah! <laughs> In response, he does nothing. Yeah, I don't, he tries to roll, but he can't. All right, so we have four turns of unbridled calamity. Uh, mm-hmm. So the obvious thing is we definitely try the two fireball rolls. Absolutely. We brandish Which... our left hand. We feel the warmth gesture straight from our chest, up through our shoulder, extending through the elbow, and out Do... through the palm as we cast fireball number one. And it goes wide with a five. I mean, I rolled for the second fireball. I don't know if this is legal. Is that allowed? Uh, yeah. Because I did roll a nine. I was hoping that we would both roll one. Is this allowed for the power of friendship? Our powers combined, we do as much as one person. Yeah, exactly. We'll be using the uh, the second fireball, but we'll yes. have done seventy five to the enemy. It will that have taken seems, two turns. That's this seems like something we should do. Absolutely. <laughs> so one fifty down to seventy five, and I mean we should probably just do the. The lightning finger. I mean, the lightning 
he has no um resistance of any kind for what it's mm-hmm. worth so that does help there so the thought of that is there is a world in which hitting with our dice does more than fire finger but it's there not guaranteed is... yeah it's not it's not guaranteed and also uh we're probably gonna have to hit with both Firefinger and our direct hands. Yeah. So should we cast two Firefingers, take him down to 55, and then basically begin the fight like normal, basically? Uh, I think so. So, yeah, the, think so. the first scene is we've, we've cast the sticky wand at him. He's held for four turns. He tries to take a turn, missing turn number one. Yes. We do a fireball... He takes a turn missing number two. We do Correct. a fireball. He takes a turn missing number three. We do Correct. a firefinger. Correct. Good. So, yeah, so we do we'll... firefingers. He's down to 55 health. We have done 95 damage to him before he gets to play. Feels pretty mm-hmm. good to me. And Feels therefore... pretty good. If only the second fireball had hit. God. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, but hey, I mean. you know what? It also would have been anticlimactic. So here we go. We get to... I first roll from him right mm-hmm. yep all right he's five or better five in order to strike us he rolls a four on the first we get to wipe the sweat off our brow nice and clean that's incredible and good and very useful uh two more of those have been cast and we've lost both of those uh just quickly yeah. do we want to try and do five more charges of firefighter that will be officially all <laughs> of our spells spent the question is can we bring some of those to the next uh, book who knows yeah. i imagine we probably could you know let's maybe we maybe this is a, a little bit of a gambler's fallacy but it kind of feels like we're on a roll to an extent like maybe yeah, exactly could, i don't know maybe we could try and hit him a little bit I think we could try and hit him a little bit as well because he's doing uh, 10 damage with his Firefinger Lightning yeah. Bolts. We have four but failures. we already wow. agreed. Uh, I think we've only got uh, five left. No, we have four, four failures allowed. Like, he can blast us four times. Oh, or, like, four, is it, four Lightning Bolts and then we Is it four? Die. Don't we have 32 health? Because... We're at 32 health, but we negate four damage with our armor. We agreed previously that lightning bolts are negated slightly by armor. So he's doing six damage per. Look at us. Look at us. We made that decision in a situation where it did not help us, and we are being rewarded. Woohoo! So I wanted to do it even if it did 10 damage, so of course I want to do it now. So just to... Just to uh, nut out the rest of this, the enemy can hit us a total of five times, and on that fifth time, we'll be knocked unconscious. Great. Let's just don't. Just don't. Don't do that. Okay. Yeah, we'll just don't. Just hit the man. Come on, then hit the man. Okay, okay, that will hit the man for some of the minimal, most possible hit. Uh, we strike for a five, one above our value of four to hit. So plus five damage gives us six damage on the enemy, taking him down to 49 HP. Could have been worse. 49, all right. Could have been. He points his, his crooked fingers at you and goes, yeah. Nah, and would. it's an eight. It is an eight, so that is one. Uh, that is one lightning blast across the cheek. Mm-hmm. Ah, god damn it. 
takes us down to 26. Uh, we have a look down to the... (laughs) (laughs) He's right. (laughs) We have a little look down to our sword in our hand, which whispers sweet nothings up its hilt towards us, hoping that we'll hear the secret of how to strike. Unfortunately, we can't really make out any heads nor tails of yeah. what's being uh, described to us here and strike speak wide sword. for no damage. I don't speak sword, but I don't know what saying. All right. Mm, worked so well last time, so yeah. And it's a nine. We mm, get it. Okay. okay. Well, okay. Now this is getting, this is starting to, this isn't less good. This is less good for those mm. keep mm. track at home. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I think we should just start using fire uh, yeah. fingers a little bit. <laughs> Cool. Yeah, well, he has 49, so therefore... Oh, God, but that's still five turns. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to brandish uh, my index finger on the, the right finger and just say, the, the firefighter! Fire firefighter fight. 2, actually, in this Fire instance. finger. Uh, taking the enemy down to 39 and singeing their beard. Ah! <laughs> All right. And it's been working so well, so he's why would he change it? Yeah. That's uh oh I can't see what that is. That's a three. That's not bad. We can we'll probably, love it. Love it. Yeah. Curling away such as a monkey's paw does, uh one gnarled and destroyed knuckle, we extend another before saying fire finger two again. I'm assuming that this is expending each finger effectively. Uh, and we do another 10 damage directly to the enemy. Uh, their beard is fully alight at this point. <laughs> All right. What, what would he do now? <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work. He goes, he goes, I have fire finger one. He gets a five. Does that, is that good enough for him? He does. Five is good enough for him. Yeah, unfortunately yeah. it is, which means we'll be going no! down to 14 HP. This game's rigged. We're at 14? Oh, we're not rolling. Yeah, we're on 14. Uh, we're going to use another charge of Firefinger against him. We have two remaining. Oh, God. Enemies on 19. All right, 19. I don't know why I'm writing it. Man, if we too. just had one more globule or that fireball Ooh. hit or... Okay, you got a four. We're going- he got a four! I rolled a three and then I so I went and then I got a one. So I I have great news. He has now officially rolled enough uh, negatives that we will win if we just follow with our strategy. Great. So we take the enemy down to nine with our second last fire finger. So and we're left with only one pinky on our right hand. Hear me out. Yep. Is there a chance we could just try to swing and kill him and save a fire, fire finger, and not, so if we and roll, it wouldn't ruin us? Like, can, do we have enough safety where we can do it once? Uh, no. So if well, actually, you're about to roll for the enemy's next fire finger. We'll know after yes. that whether or not we have the ability. Okay. All right. The weakest. Okay, he got an eight. Whatever. Fine. 
Fine, we'll use magic. Okay. So fine, we're on fine, we'll HP, which means we need to use the fire finger yeah. to immediately smite Anselm. Yeah. Uh, with this fire finger, as it's cast from our left hand, it's off-handed, we're right-handed, it's cast from the pinky finger, all things, all manner, makes you believe that this would be the whimsiest of all of the fireballs, uh, firefighters so far, that it would be the smallest possible bolt. But as soon as we extend that hand, and that pinky in particular, a laser beam strikes through the chest of Wizard Anselm and leaves a complete seared, cauterized hole in the center of the wizard. My body! All right, if you kill the wizard Anselm, lick your wounds and go to 135. I mean, boy, uh, let's boy, absolutely we... lick our wounds to the tune of at least one health potion just in case the next room is like I was going to say it might. What if it's just like a ha-ha? Yes, absolutely. Because it said you can use it whenever, just not in combat. So let's, before we accidentally are in combat, let's do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get five healing from that. We are Great. up Good to enough. 13. As you stand triumphant in the mayhem of the shattered throne room, a small sound behind the throne attracts your attention. You investigate, nothing there. But it was definitely a noise. You examine the wall, and no need for an experienced adventurer and wizard slayer like yourself to roll dice. This time, you find a secret door. As the granite slab slides back, you know for certain that steps downward can only lead to one place. The prison where the wicked wizard... Now defunct. ...was holding brave Queen Guinevere. You've done it, Pip. You've succeeded in your mission. You're a first-class five-star adventurer. Now turn to page 167. This is the uh, the page that starts Pip Triumphant, just in case you're yes. also having difficulty finding it. Yes. Odd. A raven wheeling high above the cornfields to the south of Glastonbury Tours started at the sudden wait started at the sudden eruption of banners from the towers of Camelot. The king's insignia was there, and the battle standard of the table round, and the colors of every major earl, duke, and knight. The national flags of Wessex and Sussex and Essex were there, and even the Roman standard. No longer taking any real pride of place since Arthur sent the Romans packing. But most important of all, the queen's old golden pennant own golden pennant was there flying higher even than the king's insignia that would have been very strange in any other circumstances but even the meanest rudest peasant knew what it meant and now rejoiced the raven which in the manner of its kind had been on a search for grains turned at the sight and flew strongly north to the circle over camelot itself what a sight below there had never been such a bustle such excitement in the castle itself there was a full turnout of the guard armor polished to mere brightness and every man standing rigid as a statue at his post around them servants scurried to and fro like ants a constant stream into and out of the main banquet hall in obvious preparation for a feast and a great feast at that to judge from the foodstuffs and wines that were being carried in there was too considerably considerable activity at the lists as if the fields were being prepared for a joust or even a full tournament the stands were being decorated with streamers and bunting. The great horses were being led from the stables and gently exercised before receiving their padded accoutrement trappings. Squires were busily, pol busily polishing lances and maces and swords as if their very future of the realm depended on their brightness. From somewhere deep within the castle, muffled and distorted by the thickness of the walls, strange sounds rose up like animals in pain. Clear indication that the minstrels were tuning up their instruments in preparation for some form of grand musical entertainment. Lutes, flutes, harps, and bandors competed with the bells and drums of percussion section in a cacophony that did not sound as if it would ever achieve harmony. 
And while this was all going on in Camelot itself, there was even greater activity on the approach road to the castle. A vast crowd lined the edges for nearly half a mile, kept off the road itself by only the constant attention of harassed stewards running hither and thon to back, push back a craning farmer, a curious goodwife, or shoo away the herds of urchins, who danced through the legs of their elders on the forbidden path. At the main gates, the drawbridge had been lowered and the portcullis raised. Two lines of trumpeters dressed in their gayest raiment were at attention, their instruments half-raised and gleaming golden in the sunshine by the approach. On the drawbridge itself, resplendent in full armor, the great sword Excalibur at his side, seated on a magnificent dappled charger, was the broad, brown-bearded figure of the king ranged beside him, row upon row, in full dress, armor, visors raised, plumes dancing in the breeze was the full complement of knights of the order of the table round, tense, joyous, expectation written on every face, and then raps took over. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly, distantly, the crowd began to cheer, a sound that swelled and grew and did not stop, but rolled closer and still closer like a great sea wave. The king moved forward and, forgetting royal dignity, half stood in his stirrups, the better to see. A convoy of cardinals, robed in p Roman purple, emerged from the castle to take their places by the king's side, and behind them, the brown-robed, barefooted monks from the abbey. The cheering grew louder and closer. As if in response to some hidden signal, the trumpeters raised their instruments to their lips and waited. The cheer became a roar, a wild exuberance, a joyous call to the deep blue skies of heaven. The fanfare begun. Brassily unnerving, even the great warhorses by its volume, King Arthur's patience broke and he urged his mount forward. At that instant, around the last bend of the approach road, there came Queen Guinevere herself, a trifle bedraggled to be sure, but proud and upright, seated on the back of a small, nervous, prancing pony. And leading that pony was a small, slight figure dressed in a jerkin of dragonhide and carrying a broadsword which, but for its size, might have been a mirror image of the king's own. Guinevere! Woo! Sorry, the Discord gate cut you off. Did you say Guinevere? I did, yeah. The crowd roared. Guinevere! Oh, yeah! And then, as if at some secret hidden signal, Pip! 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 As if startled by the sudden tumult, the raven wheeled away abruptly and flew south again to land eventually on a rocky outcrop near a cave mouth and a cliff beside the shoreline. There it waited, preening itself occasionally and keeping a wary eye out for hawks. Soon, along the shingle path towards the cave mouth, there approached an extremely beautiful young woman with long hair black as jet and the walk of an aristocrat. The raven watched her beadily, bobbing its head and hopping, but making no attempt to fly away. She stopped. Are you there, my darling? She called out to no one in particular. Then, guided by some instinct, she turned towards the raven. Is that you? The raven strutted, stretched, then metamorphosized. It's me, my dear, said Merlin, now standing in the raven's place. Me, um, yes, yes, sir, me indeed. And he embraced the young woman, kissing her with far more fire than was decent for a man of advancing years. Well said the young woman when she had finally extricated herself. Have you been to Camelot? Uh, yes, said Merlin. Uh, yes, indeed. I watched the Queen's return before I flew here to see you. Uh, quite an occasion. Uh, banners, fanfare, cheering crowds. Much as you'd expect. 
Not every day the queen is rescued. No, 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 no. Uh, indeed, I believe they're planning a tournament. I suppose I'll have to be back for that as well. So your protege performed well? The dark-haired woman asked. Oh, Pip? Asked Merlin. Yes, yes, Pip performed very well. Excellently. Yes, yes, indeed. What a day, Pip! What a truly magnificent and glorious day! And what an adventure! Notice how everyone treats you differently now since you rescued the Queen? You're somebody now, Pip! Somebody important. The cart rumbles slowly down the rutted roadway that leads to the farm of Freeman John and Goodwife Mary. A new cart, too, hardly touched by the dust and mud of the journey, a cart given to you by King Arthur himself, along with the sturdy pony that's pulling it. There was the offer of a great deal more than... From the king, gold, honors, even a place at the table round itself, despite your age. But all you asked for was that the cart and the horse to pull it. All asked for was the cart and the horse to pull it. They thought you were a little crazy when you said that that's all you wanted. They didn't understand your natural modesty, Pip. Nor the fact that you needed a cart to carry all the booty that you nicked from the wizard Anselm's dark castle. What are your adopted parents going to say when you appear with this lot, eh? I mean, dang. 20,000 gold pieces, 18,000 silver pieces, emeralds worth 12,500 gold pieces, rubies worth 12,200 pieces, diamonds worth 77,000, less of any bribes, of course. Uh, so is this the pile that we found? Yeah, it is. So I think it gives you access to that pile to use for Early. bribes. Yes. Early, if you find it. But otherwise, you just get access to it, less any that you've spent on bribes. Gotcha. So, therefore, that does make it so using bribes... Like if, I mean, yeah, so taking it early... I guess the other thing would be if you take took it early and you died, theoretically, you lose that gold, so... That's true as well, yeah. But we did not die ever since we found... We did not die once from the moment we found that gold pile, correct? A hundred percent true. We died a lot before that, but we never died after that. So we, A we, lot before that? We died yeah. twice. I Wait, really? Yeah. I thought it was... Why did it feel like more? It felt like a lot more than twice. But anyways, not to mention several odds and ends that you managed to pick up along the way. Even there to buy... Wait, enough there to buy a whole new farm. Ten whole new farms, won't they be surprised? You'll be there in an hour and won't they be amazed? The sun, hang, sun hangs low in the sky as your pony trundles onwards. What a day. What a glorious day. Uh, Pip. That voice sounds familiar. Pip. Um, excuse me. Pip. Good grief, it's Mean Jake. You remember, the boy that was always picking fights with you in the market. Seems like another age now. All the same, you drop... You're telling me, it's a whole freaking different day. You drop your hand casually to the hilt of the old Excalibur Jr. You're battle-hearted now, Pip. No sense in taking chances. But Mean Jake, standing by the roadside, has his cap off and is screwing it up in his hands, nervously. You rein in the pony, watching him warily. Excuse me, Pip. He says... I know you're very busy at all. Screw, screw at the cap. What? Uh, I don't know what you've done about rescuing the queen and getting rid of the queen's uh, the wizard Ashlam and all. And well, I just wanted to say I'm sorry for all the, all the trouble I gave you. Well, I was just wondering, you know, if, well, if, if we might be, well, friends, you know. And he looks so miserable, and... And you're feeling oh so good, Pip. That you smile and say magnanimously, Of course, Mean Jake. Hop up on the cart and you can come home with me for tea. There might even be fresh scones. Oh, thank you, Pip. Thank you. 
and mean Jake climbs up excitedly on the cart and sits proudly beside you as, he shake, as you shake the reins to tell the pony to move along. You sit silent, lost in your own thoughts the great adventure, while mean Jake prattles on, trying to integrate himself with you until you're suddenly jerked back to reality. When the pony halts abruptly, a tree branch has fallen across the road, blocking it completely. Look at that, says mean Jake. We'll never move it. Yeah, we will. You say confidently, after the wizard Anselm's dark castle, a little thing like a tree branch isn't going to hold up old Pip. With just the slightest swagger, you climb down from the cart, and taking a deep breath, you drag the old tree branch off the undergrowth with a single massive effort. There you are, you say as you emerge, brushing your hands together briskly. Nothing to it. But you are talking to yourself, as Mean Jake has gone, and so has your pony, cart, and treasure. The road is empty, not a soul about, except a bedraggled-looking blackbird of some description, watching you from a tree branch. I'll kill him! You roar, half-drawing Excalibur Jr. in your anger. Tut-tut, says the blackbird. Such temper. It flutters down from the branch and struts towards you fearlessly before metamorphosing into a familiar form of Merlin, who stares at you as if he could read your very thoughts. Which apparently he can, for he says... Yes, it's me, Pip. Yes, indeed. Oh, and that wasn't a blackbird. It was a raven. I never change it to blackboards. Never. Uh, they always seem obsessed by people's noses. Ravens are different. Noble birds, ravens. More in keeping with the magician of my stature. Easier to talk when you're a raven, too. Blackbirds haven't got the vocal cords for it. He seats himself on a nearby tree stump. Well, now, he says, regarding you closely. Lost your treasure, have you? And the horse and cart that the king gave you? Oh, very careless. Very careless indeed. Especially to a thieving young haggis like mean Jake. Should have known better after all you've been through. You hang your head a little shamefacedly, because after all, you were showing off just a little when you climbed down from the cart. Yes, yes, says Merlin, as if still reading your thoughts. You were showing off. Yes, yes, indeed. Not very proper behavior for a magician's apprentice. Uh, never find me showing off. But then I don't need to. Everyone knows what a wise, handsome, noble, and powerful person I am. He crosses one spindly leg over the other and falls off the tree stump. He picks himself up, mumbling crossly and plucking twigs from the folds of his robe. Uh, sit down, he says, indicating a second stump. And sit still. Don't fidget. I hate it when you do that. I have something to tell you. So you sit. Still. And wait. Without fidgeting. I have good use and bad use for you, Pip. Merlin tells you. Your adventure is over, uh, done, finished, successfully concluded. That's the bad news. You have to return to your own time now, which may be bad news or may not. Uh, don't worry about Pip, Pip's body, that is. I'll take care of it. It can walk back to the farm and nobody will know the difference. And don't make faces. I took care of Pip's body for years before you borrowed it, and I will take good care of it again. And now the good news. The good news is I am well pleased with what you did, Pip. I was just saying as much to my girl, a young lady, my acquaintance not more than a few hours ago. Anselm was a pest. The realm is well rid of him. And all credit to you for doing the job. Uh, yes, indeed. It isn't often you find someone with your talents, you know, Pip. Somebody who can come into another time the way that you did. That takes imagination. And you have it. 
So I'll be calling on you again to take over Pip's body. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yes, indeed. Avalon needs souls with your talent and your courage. So I'll be asking you to come back and take part in new adventures. Maybe even more dangerous than the Wizard Asloom's Dark Castle. Uh, but you won't mind that, will you? And you will come back, won't you? The end. Ba -da -ba -ba -da -ba. Dang, we did it. That that was a that was a hefty old chunky old adventure. That was a hefty old chunky old adventure. I really like the writing in this. Yeah, the writing is like actually good. Like, <laughs> yes. I'm not, I'm not, I really like the writing in this. I, yeah, yeah, I agree. It's just like, it's got that flavorful, it, it's less overtly jokey, but that doesn't mean that it's actually less funny. And mm -hmm. it's, it. there's still like a lot of little bits and bobs here and there just about like the pacing of the writing and just the, the general flavor that I really do quite like that i think does actually kind of mimic a more full adventurous tone like a more full yeah. adventurous tone than what you would find in goosebumps that we had been reading but honestly is not so far removed from it weirdly enough it's like, definitely not so far removed from it, but it's much more consistent in yes. its tone whereas it feels like yes. goosebumps a lot of the time goes back and forth yes. between like trying to do abject horror, trying to do abject horror yes. that is undercut by some sort of goofiness and goofiness. This feels like it is, like, like specifically employing gear shifts between those tones when appropriate and yes. delineating what tone it's in. Yes. I really like, enjoy it. This is the part where you're in the dungeon and things are a bit more, like, real. Or, like, something silly mm -hmm. happens, you do something, something bad happens to you, and it's still, like, jabs, pokes fun at you. It pokes fun at like certain situations in, in like, yeah, very more natural ways that feel less like a roller coaster and more like a well thought out like theme park. I don't mm -hmm. know. Yes. And I like that. Well, while still being like feeling like it is very much the same general level of seriousness that I was hoping for, which is not too much, but there's definitely some when you want it. There's definitely like the intro and outro being a bit more a bit more serious than the rest of the uh, book, for example, mm. um, but still being welcome because it provides that structure to make it so it is a journey that you can like have little bits that you can pull out and care about more when you move from book to book and care about this world in a little bit more of a way where it's like the reason that stuff and that serious thing is probably not there in Goosebumps and stuff being... Yeah, you're supposed to... You, ideally, they want you to not care too much about the world that you want it to never end, because it's very much going to end. Mm-hmm. I... I... Strangely, I, I feel uh, more grieved at the end of this Choose Your Own Adventure than at the end of many other Choose Your Own Adventures I've done in the past over the lines that I didn't 
get to see. Yeah. For instance, like EJ is a talking sword and it's clearly like a bit, like the whole thing appears to be like, it's kind of annoying and a little bit jokey, but we only saw that in exactly one scene. It's I, true. I can only imagine this book is littered with scenes that EJ is talking in and we just didn't have to get to any of them. It's true. Ah! Yeah, because yeah, it's worth noting, we it's a 187 page book. We... I, I wonder and like we went to a lot of different pages but those pages are also just like when it says go to page 141 uh, often like page 141 will also have some of 142 on it so therefore i don't know how much what percentage of the book we really even saw and that and i think that is kind of fun well still and this is a big thing unlike you, you know this is an area where a more structured like adventurous uh thought out book like this has it going for it where it feels like we got a cohesive story mm -hmm. full all the way through there was only like a couple parts where it's like I, I guess the phrasing on this if i took it if i took it literally then there might be a little bit of weird inconsistency here but if you look past it and you rationalize it as well well probably not like it probably like it's also easy to assume this uh then mm -hmm. then the whole thing feels like nice and cohesive and consistent and it feels like you got a story that made sense from beginning to end that could have been a planned out adventure yep legitimately and like i i think the the it, although i'm i'm the one doing the the mapping on my own side here you're also doing your own version of mapping via pages scene yes and like i i I think there's a lot to be said for the the way in which it leads you through a story that by necessity must have a contiguous map because it is trying to get you to generate that map in the... Yeah. I can think of this story just by looking at the map that I've drawn. I can tell you every step of how we got here on our successful route. I can tell you what all of the things around all of the different areas do. And I couldn't necessarily map out such effectively uh, any previous Choose Your Own Adventure I've done. It yeah. really enhanced the experience in my mind, even yeah. if it was maybe a little laborious at times for me to be like, okay, so it's 15 meters here, 20 meters here. Just yeah. even a vague version of the map that's is the thing, exciting yeah. enough. Yeah, because I think, and that's the thing is that that's also like a benefit of, and and I think it's like by necessity when comparing this to Goosebumps, two, two things that honestly, like, should they be compared? I mean, who cares? But it, when comparing them, uh, I think that that is very much a by design thing for Goosebumps because what it cares about is getting to tell those the like the jokey one liner that kills you. That's what Goosebumps mm -hmm. really likes. So it works better to set up these like dream vignettes that you basically teleport between. And it works yep. very well for the structure of that to just quickly snappily teleport between these sections. Whereas like, could I care about like setting a, a up a world that you feel like you're in more? Sure. But I don't need to do that. I just want to tell these snappy quick jokes and like have these, you know, go from silly, um, silly scene to silly scene. And I think that that's mm -hmm. great too. I think this is great as well. I think, that they are two great different things and it's cool how they feel enjoyable in similar ways and it's cool to see how they're enjoyable in different ways as well absolutely yeah my god
I'm, I'm also very, very excited for the uh, continuation of Pip as our main character, who will it's have true. the same inventory modifications from this uh, from this episode. Yeah, my question was that is was it said all of our treasure was stolen? To me, mm, that just so... sounds like the treasure, capital T treasure, that it yes. listed for us, which was the gold. Which, yes, so it, which makes sense. Specifically, they said that we got the cart just so that we could take that treasure home, and then that cart and that horse was stolen. Yeah. So to me, the, the, when the capital T treasure is stolen, it's referring to, yeah, the twenty thousand gold, the, eight, the the amount of money that is so comedically large that I was wondering how it could possibly be carried to the next book. Yeah, exactly. Was not. We're in a real. Book. We're in a real dead money New Vegas situation. This gold is too heavy to carry. Yeah. So, hey, I mean, well, either way, I, I guess for a wrap up, do you want to say what we have in our inventory at the end of this? Like, what did we not use that we have still Absolutely. on our person? So still on our person from our original pack, we have the lodestone, which we can use to uh, create a compass. We have twine. We have saw. We have nails. We have a hammer. We have a mirror. We don't have the garlic anymore. We do have a tinderbox. We have three of our healing salves, which give three HP apiece. We have a dagger, which hits on a six, but does plus two damage. We have four flasks of oil for our lantern. We also have the lantern. We have Excalibur Jr., a dragonhide jerkin. We have uh, a total of 13 charges of potions of healing remaining. We have a lunchbox, a backpack. We have 15 meters of rope. We have 12 oh climbing God. spikes, and we have five torches remaining. And that's okay. just out from the original inventory. What we also picked up over the course of this, we picked up 10 GP after one of our battles, which we would have been carrying around in our pocket rather than in the that's giant true. treasure case. So we've got 10 GP. Uh, we have none of our spells left. We've used all firefighters and all fireballs. Yeah. Uh, we still have the ring, the jeweled ring. So that's 500 GP as well. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we... and we have a wand that has no more charges on it. So I, yeah, yeah, we that didn't really so gain nice. anything new out of this. That's the one thing where oh, that would have been it, that. That's the bummer. That one's the bummer to me. If we rolled you to have what? more charges on that, it would have been really nice. Was it a bummer? A little bit, yes. But also, did it make for the tightest possible end battle? That's literally also true. Of... Literally <clears throat> possible. Where... Ratcheted up the tension insanely. Yeah, that's true. That's very, very true. Uh, well, anywho, I guess that brings us to the end of this absolute chunky, chunky son of a gun. What is that? Does that bring us to four hours of like, I think so. Something I like that. believe it does. That's uh, that's uh, well, that's a large. That's very large. A uh, very large McBig huge. A very large McBig huge. But anyway, I guess that takes us to the end here then. Uh, I guess, I suppose, at the end, uh, since it's kind of like the beginning of a new sort of season, I guess, I don't know if we're, we have not decided at this point whether whether we're splitting up or not, uh, necessarily, but you will know already before we we know, ironically, that's the fun thing about making stuff for the internet, um, but if this is the only outro, it's probably worth kind of going over what it is that this podcast even is, what you can expect, that kind of stuff, so for that, I don't know. It's a. Uh, I was gonna send it to you, but then that's just like a hello here surprise. Here's an in explainer podcast. But 
Uh, I'm happy to do it. Yeah, we do uh, it. We do choose your own adventure uh, podcasts via splitting the narration for for Rito and the performance of the characters via myself. And then we collaborate on the decisions, the choosers in the choosers of your own adventures. Uh, doing small, fun little improv comedy scenes in there as well. It's a good time. You just heard it. It's four hours. It's, you know what it is. Yeah, there's four hours of this if you if you partook in all of this one here. But yeah, there's there's eight of these books, which, holy mole. Uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, but I really liked it. Also worth noting, That's... if you found us through this only and don't know yeah. about this podcast from before that we have read through every single give yourself goosebumps choose your own adventure book all 50 of them uh and that was very fun and good and you should check that out too as well as a uh one shot that we did for a uh christmas uh, season thing of uh the twas the night before christmas by uh, jonathan green it's true. That one is Twas the Krampus Night Before Christmas, to be more specific. <gasps> Twas the Krampus Night. And if you liked this and haven't listened to that, that is definitely, uh, of all the stuff we've done so far, that is by far the closest thing to this that we've done. hundred percent. Both in scope and in, like, style of, like, the roles and the stakes, uh, everything like that. So if you're looking for that... So- very very similar i know that this this uh the grail quest series is apparently in amongst a lineage of other series around the same period of time that have similar ish fighting mechanics uh and uh, fighting fantasy i think yes. might be the name of the series uh and uh i believe yes. that twas is directly inspired by the fighting fantasy 100 the it shows a lot in the combat yeah jonathan green i, if, I could be wrong i believe has done a couple of the fighting fantasy books and has also done like did a book about the fighting fantasy series mm. uh, and thus yeah there's definite inspiration there and there's obvious inspiration or or even maybe real dna in it here but so yeah it, long story short if you liked this you want more immediately before we release more of this uh go check out the twas Krampus night before christmas or save it for christmas um because that was a great time we'll you know, we'll probably go back and do more of Jonathan Green stuff uh, very, very soon. But either way, uh, you can find this podcast. I don't know where you're listening to it right now, but I'll say the things. You can find it on YouTube, in a, which is a way where, like, the only place where you can actually kind of, like, comment on it and talk to other people about it. YouTube.com slash turn to page cast. That's where you can go over there and find, like, you know, the videos, comment on. It's very helpful if you want to help us over there. Uh you can also find us on any streaming service that is kind of like big for podcasts uh if you're watching it over on youtube you can do that so you can have it on your phone easier i know sometimes that i do it that way sometimes it's cleaner to just have the only the audio stream but anything else you want to shout out that's maybe like worth mentioning on a uh i don't know episode where we might find new people uh turn to magecast.com the easy way sure. to access the uh the the is it just direct access to the broad rss feed for it correct excellent so there is that option as well i'll also mention that you uh can support the podcast if you're interested in doing Bless. so over at uh, patreon.com slash turn to page cast and also that we have an executive producer of this episode from the uh, patron.com slash turn to page cast at or above the executive producer hardcover tier and that is katrina thank you katrina by the way new patron and 
a quick clarification I want to make to an earlier patron as well yes. uh, is I've been pronouncing it uh, Yoa rather than Joa uh, with a hard J. Uh, as it turns out, it was originally pronounced Yoa and then was changed to be closer to the English name Joe. Uh, because yeah. English speakers otherwise did not typically do the soft J. So yeah. I, I, I double screwed it up yeah. by accidentally looking up the real pronunciation. Yeah, you were too right so, that you're apologies, wrong. Joa. Ah! Yeah, too, too right that you're wrong. Card. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, but yeah, anyways, if you want to review this podcast on anywhere that you can review podcasts, that'd be absolutely wonderful. If you have anything that you want to mention to us directly, don't want to leave it in a comment section or just don't have a youtube account or don't care you can email us at turn to pagecast at gmail.com if you have suggestions for like new books to do things you just want to say have things you want to send to us you know fill in the blank anything like that over there but otherwise again a huge thank you to everybody that's supporting over on patreon.com slash turn to page oh uh, wait patreon.com slash turn to page cast uh mm -hmm. huge thank you to anyone supporting over there it does help us do silly things get the cool art from sam caron get the uh oh, wonderful music from uh christoph Jakob at the beginning all of that speaking of the cool art from sam caron look at the thumbnail look at the thumbnail we don't we don't know what it looks like yet but i can only i've never seen anything from sam that i've not been very happy with so look at the thumbnail yep. uh but yeah anyways gotta look good don't i believe does it look good i'm sure it does <laughs> i'm sure it does i've never i've never been disappointed anyways that's gonna wrap up it's hard to wrap up something so long in a way that's not long uh but there we go we have now done it so hey i liked it i'm looking forward to the next one thank you for listening and we will see you next time Bye bye adios fire finger <laughs>